Welcome to episode 172 of the Collector's Quest podcast. We got about 100 people asking us to talk about uh, the latest, like, million dollar video game sales. So that's what me and Johnny are talking about. So sorry if you don't care about sealed and graded video games, but it is the big news of last weekend. If you somehow don't know, uh, Super Mario 64 sold for one and a half million dollars, which is bigger than Charizard, bigger than a Michael Jordan rookie card, bigger than Marvel Comics number one. So we're going to talk about who might have bought this, what their motivations would be, and what effect it'll have on the market. Also, please note, we've added the explicit tag back to the Collector's Quest podcast, meaning we are no longer bleeping out swears. So maybe put in headphones if you're around your young children. All right, give us five stars on iTunes, tell your mom about the show, and let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler. I'm here with Johnny. No Stefan today. Hello, Guy. Okay, I just sat down in my chair, and this was this is very disturbing, Johnny. <laughs> did I did I get the Tyler intro right? Uh, you didn't. I start with "Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest." Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny. And then I start by like controlling the conversation. Usually I used to like let you guys say something and it never went anywhere. So now I'm going to prompt the conversation by saying, fuck Johnny money laundering, bring in the FBI. Something's going on. There's fraud. What is happening? Are people being arrested? I think so. I mean, someone's looking into this, right? Did we call the SEC? So, I, I mean, I, I heard people tell me it was money laundering and then embezzling and also tax evasion, though money, uh, the tax money evasion? was taxed. Yeah. I, <laughs> but collectibles are like taxed at like the maximum rate of anything taxed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I guess we could get into what our topic is about before we just start. Uh, I, I, I think everyone knows what the exactly. topic Like everyone has I been asking us to do an episode on this. Well, you know, everyone knows what the topic is because one, we're a week late and, uh, you know, it's already been talked about to death, but also we have episode titles on each, on each show. So they kind of know what we're talking about. We're the only, we, we sit here and pretend like we need to tell them each episode, like it wasn't a title before. It's true. I mean, collectors, first of all, collectors quest, your source for breaking news and the deepest analysis I would give okay analysis. I, I'm not, we, but we definitely aren't. Brave. We are always behind. Uh, all right. Well, just say if you don't know what this episode is about somehow, uh, latest heritage auction sales went down. A copy of Mario 64 sold for one and a half million dollars. Zelda sold for like $900,000. There's a new grading company. CGC is grading and WADA got bought out. So lots going on in the sealed world and graded world. And I'm sorry, we're going to be talking about a lot of sealed games and bullshit in this episode. Yeah. Investing. Well, I, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. I know our investors are more collectors. I, I know, I know our audience is more collector than investor, so we don't have to kill them with it, but let's, yeah, we do. That's I what mean, the episode's everyone, about. I, mean, I know, but every, it is on everyone's mind. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get into it. First off, as you said, there, there was a lot of auctions that happened, not just the Mario and the Zelda, but those are obviously the highlights, right? They are. I mean, I've seen so I mean, I've seen a lot of reactions to it. So all the YouTube channels are out there like, oh, my God, it's fake. The hobby is dead. Uh, 
like money laundering, where like money, I don't know where this money laundering thing came from, but the hobby is dead basically. And I, I like look at the world and I'm like buying games. It's like nothing seems to have changed too much. I'm just like looking around, like I think I could still buy a copy of Mario 64 if I wanted to. And then on the extreme other end of it, there's the the high the highest end, like the actual investor people are like, oh my god, we're all gonna be rich. This is quote unquote great for the hobby because prices increasing like ten thousand percent is a totally healthy and normal thing. Uh, and I think I'm lying somewhere in between those two, Johnny. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, well, let's talk about first all the people who said this is great for the hobby. Uh, if you, any of you are listening, let me start out by saying, um, clean filter off. Hey, fuck you. God damn it. Fuck you. Shut your stupid mouth. How is that sustainable? God damn it. Like what kind of asshole are you sitting over there? Like looking at your pile of graded games thinking I'm just going to be rich. This is, but I'm going to pass it off as great for the hobby. Like, no, it's great for you. And that's fine. Like I'm okay with people profiting. You know that like I, I take that stance all the time. It is okay for people to make money. I'm not against that. I am against people like trying to put on the guys of being like, Oh, this is great for the hobby. It's, it's the Scooby-Doo meme, right? It's like the guy with it, it just says great for the hobby, pull off the mask. And really underneath it says great for me. It, and that's, those are different things. So like, can we please stop with that nonsense? Just like, it's fine. Rub your hands together and, you know, cackle. Cause you know, you, you, you done good. Uh, on the money front, but let's not act like this is a boon for the hobby. Also, I think we really need to start delineating, and as I've tried to do on the show, what the fuck this hobby is, because it's two different hobbies at this point, right? One of them is just investing the same way investing has happened in comics and cards and all this other stuff. You know, we finally reached that delineation point in games, and I keep stressing that, because if you are just a video game collector... You are collecting games to put on a shelf and look at. And yes, some will be worth money and some will be good for versus investors who are actively buying into games that they think will just make them money, right? Like there there are, you know, inroads for both to be tied together. You can be a little bit of both. And there's people who have been both for a long time. But, you know, really, it's two separate hobbies at this point. Sure. We we can use our context clues to figure out what people mean when they're saying uh, the hobby. Yeah, I, I, but see, I that's the problem. I don't think these people understand the context clues. They don't have the context because they've only been here like six months. They basically just hatched out of an egg and we're like, games are hot. Like, they're just newborns. They're all of them, just infants. They're like, this is the next big thing. Let's go dump our money here. And that's fine. But, you know, they just, you know, what they know about the other side of the hobby is uh, pretty low. First of all, everything is hot, Johnny. And I could tell, yeah. I don't know, you've never been involved in like a cryptocurrency community because Bitcoin is the perfect example. Like anytime some nonsense happens in Bitcoin's price, like th there's almost never a reason. Like Bitcoin just goes up. It's like, oh my God, yeah. it's the next bull run. And everyone's like, this is great for Bitcoin because we're all getting rich. Meanwhile, Bitcoin fucking sucks. Like you can't transfer. It's way too expensive. It's way too slow. And every time they've tried to fix that so far, it has failed. Like Bitcoin Cash was like this bullshit fork that was supposed to make it faster and cheaper. But everyone's like, no, that one's bullshit. 
and then like the there was like this network that goes on top of it. I forgot if that was SegWit or uh, something else. It was basically a system of IOUs, so you didn't actually have to use the Bitcoin. And I think that's bullshit now, and I haven't heard anyone talk about that. So Bitcoin is basically on fire, but whenever it goes up, that's good for Bitcoin, Johnny. No, <laughs> so. Obviously, yeah. Cool. Um, anyways, like I said, I don't I don't care if people make money, but like let's stop pretending and let's let's be clear who we're talking about. Anyways, and like and I'm not mad at people who are investors, but let's get to what the investors are actually like ballyhooing about right now, because that's a word people use a lot, ballyhooing. Um, let's let's talk about it. What 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 happened? Yeah, let's go over uh, let's go over some of the sales. And I'm sorry, guys, these are all heritage auction sales. We're being like some certain other podcasts that just go through heritage auction sales. But I, I mean, I literally picked out like a dozen games I thought were interesting. Uh, let's start with yeah. Su Super Mario 64, Johnny. $1.5 million. A Money Nintendo 64 Money game is the most valuable game ever made. Suck it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a personal nightmare for me. That Mario 64. Not ne like just um, all of you out there who think this is the best Mario, mainly you, Tyler. Suck it. It is not no, the best it, Mario. It the is market in, it has even spoken. Close. There was no. a black box Super Mario World. It was a second print black box, uh, like complete in box. Sold for like, what, a sixth of this? Super Mario World is garbage. Uh, apparently. Most Look, I don't... Super Mario Brothers sold for less. Oh, actually, all of them sold for less than this because this is yeah, the highest everything, sell ever. <laughs> everything sold for less. The Super Mario World and the, the most expensive Super Mario Brothers combined did not sell for what this Mario sold for. Uh, like I was, I had like three days where I was like, yes, Zelda is number one. Zelda is number one. Like I have like just three days of that. And then all of a sudden this happened. That's, that's fine. You know, let, let's talk about, so we're talking about this, like it's actually the most collectible best game ever made. So let's actually talk about the motivation for buying this. Now this, this is a better time. Oh, hold, hold on. Well, okay. I want to ask you one thing before you get into the motivation. Is it a legit sell? Because that's that's what all the YouTube channels are screaming from. Like, one, it's questionable whether you should take our advice. But what I do know is you should not take YouTube video advice uh, on this, especially from half the YouTube videos I've seen. Just uh, so bad. So bad. So the people involved in, like, the sealed game, the, the, the Illuminati market, Johnny, the people involved in this, like, are somewhat bewildered by this. And I follow this shit, like, every day. The people on YouTube have no idea what the fuck's going on. They don't know anything about graded games. They don't know anything about heritage auctions. They don't know anything about WADA. They come up with conspiracy theories. I'm not saying there, there's no collusion or there's no... That this sale isn't weird or fishy or anything. But, like, you look at some of these YouTube guys. Reviews Tech USA put out an entire YouTube video about... Uh, the, there's, like... Old lawsuits that Heritage Auction has, which uh, you might have heard about on the Default Gen YouTube channel when I brought it up myself. Basically, Heritage Auctions bids on their own auctions and can and either bid up prices or buy things they think are underpriced. Yeah, they, they can they can shill, and it's not illegal, and it is in their terms, and it is on their website, and you can find that information. Weird, Tyler, is that suspicious? Is that well? Is that uh, is that against the law? Even though they like, have they done something wrong? Even though they told you they were going to do that. It's like if they did that, which I don't know if they did, uh, although Jim Halperin, the founder or owner of Heritage Auctions, owns a piece of the Super Mario Brothers that sold for $100,000. Yeah. So he would have an excellent reason to try to buy a much perceived less valuable Super Mario 64 and hype that up. So his Mario is worth even more. 
But if Heritage Auctions bought this Super Mario 64 or Jim Halperin, you know, or Rich Lecce or one of these guys that that's super invested in games, it's it's not a fake sale. It is is that are you considering that a fake sale? It is a market manipulating sale, but I mean you're just calling it fake because you want to put out a vague term that you don't want to define. You're just like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. It is. Yeah. Fake. <laughs> well, let's do two things real quick. One, uh, just because a lawsuit has been placed against an entity does not prove any kind of conviction or crime or anything. Lawsuits happen for all kinds of reasons. If you look at every auction house that exists, that is big and reputable. And like, if you look at their trust rating, most of them are all good, including Heritage, au- Heritage, auction- Heritage Auctions, Sotheby's, Christie's. All of them have, ha- have had lawsuits against them. A lot of them get settled. L- lawsuits get settled for lots of reasons, not necessarily because uh, a corporation is guilty. Sometimes it's just easier to hand out money than take bad PR. And th- I'm not saying that something weird didn't happen or bad, but I'm just saying, like, be careful about saying, well, they've had a lawsuit brought against them. Lawsuits get brought up all the time. Like, there's a lot of a lot of reasons lawsuits happen, and most of them are like, you know, it's like what, like 50-50 whether a lawsuit is uh, for a good reason or a bad reason. Most lawsuits get thrown out before even making it to court. So just like be careful um, when you're just like, oh, there was a lawsuit. You or you might look like a bunch of other stupid YouTube channels who are like, did you know that there was a lawsuit and this one and this one? And I'm bringing up lawsuits that were 10 years ago because that's the most current one and was one i really want to talk about was from 1989 you know like years before most of the people involved in this were born cool awesome um yeah one be be careful of that you know and then um tyler i want to talk about just uh like you said fake sale is is it market manipulation and is is that okay okay i think those are two different things whether it's fake and whether it's market manipulation okay okay well First, let's talk about market manipulation real quick. People have been, and I've I've talked about this before, people have been mar- manipulating the market on top-end games, even back in the Nintendo age days, and I caught people doing it, brought it to your attention. No one gave a shit then. No one gave, gives a shit now. Like, yeah, when you're trading on, like, rarities that are not very plentiful, like, you know, only five or six exist, you can toss one around, and you can, you can swirl the top-end uh, as many times as you want. And you used to be able to do that on eBay without even paying fees, which is part of the reason they started placing fees on on uh, even items that didn't sell is because, you know, people were just putting up auctions, closing it between their friends, never having it paid for just to affect the market. So that's some of the reasons these caps went in. And this is a, just a thing that's been happening for a long time. So if you're going to tell me this was just dirty market manipulation and like, would I believe it? Sure, I guess I would believe that. But also... Like, this is so egregious and weird. Uh, and, and this is definitely a weird sale, right? This one point, it's such a high amount of money that that I can't wrap my head around it. And I, like, can like I, I just can't. It's such an anomaly. Do you think that it it, it, it makes sense as manipulation? Because it's so weird. Does it even work? Or is it just too weird for everybody? Is that, that's, that's an interesting thing. Is it too weird for people to take seriously? Uh, I don't yeah. think so. I think we're going to see... More sales that look like nonsense sales this year. Uh, well, I mean, we've we've already like remember when the hundred thousand dollar Mario sold? Everyone said that was nonsense, and then cried foul, right? Until until the people involved came up and said, "Nope, this is legit. We really did this. This is, and we're fine with these numbers." 
Remember, everyone's like, this is market manipulation. It's fake. It's not real. Like that was the, the same cries were going out. The difference is we haven't had those people come forward about Mario 64. We haven't? What? Everyone's Have saying the had... same things. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, like, no, the, what I'm saying, the people who were involved in the transaction haven't come forward and said, yeah, oh, this is legit. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's the thing. So, all right. So who's, who's the buyer, Johnny? If it was a fake sale, it would be Wade D. Wade, I've never learned how to pronounce your last name. So he's a guy, he's a exploded hamster on video game Sage. Um, and he's pretty active in all the, all these high end Facebook groups. I, he sold like, every, I think he sold the, the Mario 64, the Zelda that sold for $800,000. I think he sold like the $200,000 Ocarina of Time. Like he had over $2 million of video games in this. Uh, and he says that he didn't shill his own things up and he didn't buy them back himself. He doesn't seem to me like one of these sharky sports card types who has just like been here for five minutes, buys something random, like, I don't know, Mario No Photopea on N64 and tries to hype it to the moon. I think he very optimistically paid crazy prices for the nicest and earliest uh, like Mario and Zelda games he could find two years ago. And he hit the jackpot today. It does not strike me at all as a fake sale. I believe him that he just essentially hit the lottery with sealed video games. Okay, so not a fake sale. Now, do you believe that it could be market manipulation from other high-end investors uh, buying it at this ridiculous price to uh, eat it, to swirl the top end to make their properties go up? What? Johnny, is Mario 64 the most collectible game ever made? That's my first no, question. God, no, fucking fuck no. Obviously not. It's a it's an it important game and it's in great yeah, condition. Yeah, it's a super I it's a super <laughs> important game. Like so, it, like I I don't even like it and I'm going to tell you, yes, it's super important game. Like it's probably in the top 20 of most important games ever, maybe even the top 10. Uh it's still not it's still not the most collectible. Uh, it is known that, uh, like, there are case-fresh copies of Super Mario 64 out there. I mean, obviously, this game's, like, 25 years old. It's it's not obscenely rare, and there weren't many known variations until Player's Choice. Uh, like, there are VGA well, I, 95s thing, like, and 95 pluses of this, I think. So have if we, you wanted... Have we, like, diced... Hold on. Have we diced, like, whether this was even a first print? Do we have... Have the collectors, like, this the thing, like... Collectors with the with Mario, you know, Super Mario Brothers, Nintendo Black Box, they've diced up what the copies are, what pre what print is is it a matte sticker seal, is it a gloss, you know, what print, what's like they've they've done the delineation, they've like really spread out which is the most right. Do we even know what kind this was, or this was just a random, maybe a first print, maybe not? Have we done the work on that? I mean, as far as I know, all the red label. Mario 64s are the same, but there's probably a minor difference that people don't know yet. Like, because yeah. uh, who knows? Like, they're, you could probably, maybe you could weigh early prints versus late prints, and there's like a different insert that adds 10 grams to the weight or something. I mean, just also like back of the box, like with GameCube games, you know, that like you can tell which is a first print and what isn't by the barcode. Like, has anyone, I, I don't know if people have looked into that for N64 because I just hate looking at I N64 games. I don't think there's a Mario 64 variant that's known about. I mean, I, I feel like if there was, I would have heard about it just because I'm, I'm always on these groups trying to soak up all the variant information. I think, so, I mean, this this didn't sell because of variant thing. I mean, it is, quote unquote, the first print, although almost definitely this was from later in the game's life. So, so these are all, but most Marios are first prints except for yes. 
So everything's a first print that isn't a player's choice. Exactly. Okay. Um, that's the world we... I mean, but that used used to be like kind of the world we lived in on other games. So this is where this is still at for N64. Dude, I have... Oh God damn, I have so many like quote-unquote black label games, Johnny, and just like every day I look at them I'm like, nope, that one sucks. That one sucks now. <laughs> Nothing I have yeah. is the first print. You could go to the void on some of this shit. Yeah. Uh, but, so, you... So... Let's say it's a millionaire or billionaire for whatever reason. They're a nostalgic millennial Dogecoin billionaire. Uh, they want the best copy of Super Mario 64. All right, we're going to first. Wada 9.8 A++ might not be the best copy. Uh, VGA grades stricter than Wada. For whatever it's worth, I know VGA, you'd have to go to the Facebook groups to get it. If you put out. Yeah, a but five hundred thousand dollar want to house. buy, and you're like, I want to buy a VGA ninety five Super Mario sixty four. You would get it filled in two hours if you posted that on Facebook. Maybe like five minutes, someone would be like, "Yep, I've got one. I will sell to you for half a million dollars, or even you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars." That would have been the most expensive video game ever sold. You will be able to shake a copy loose uh, for that price. Uh, it would make literally no sense uh, for uh, just a millionaire to buy it and just be like, well, I just wanted this thing. Because you know what? Millionaires and billionaires aren't known for wasting money on on stupid bullshit. Some are, but not when a, a better copy might be available for cheaper. Sure. So the uh, second theory on who it could be. So there's a, there's a YouTuber called Montana Black. Not a YouTuber. He's like a Twitch streamer. Um, and I, I, I wasn't watching his whole stream. He gets about 30,000 viewers just watching him bid on Heritage Auctions. And these are guys, like, they clearly have a lot of money. Like, you go to his Instagram, and he's, like, trying to give off the image, like, oh, he's a jet-setting, Lamborghini-driving thing. Like, that's how he makes his money, is by projecting success, although I don't know how rich he actually is. Um, he tends to just click bid on things, he doesn't really care if it's like the best condition or if it's a first print. He's just like, oh, Grand Theft Auto 2. Oh, someone bid 4,000. I'm a bid 5,000. Oh, someone bid 6,000. I'm a bid 7,000. Uh, do I think like a, just someone trying to project success like an actual millionaire just vacuously bought this? I don't think so, Johnny. Um, and I know okay, you don't so know, you don't like even a, know who Montana Black is. No, but it's not like a Logan Paul type. It's not like some... Exactly. Like perfect is, yeah, like a Logan Paul type. Because um, 100%, I think if someone like that bought it, they would come forth and say, check out my new shiny toy, guys. What's the other guy? Uh, the, he was just like in a wizard's thing. Like, he just goes around and like will sometimes spend dumb money on stuff. Uh, they, they just walk around and do stupid shit. Was it Mr. Big or what's his? Anyways, I, I forget uh, the guy, but I have no idea. There, there's, uh, I mean, there's a, a group of these YouTube channels like Mr. Be uh, Mr. Beast. Yeah, yes, Mr. Beast. Thank you. So it's not something. I don't. Like he that. doesn't buy stuff. He like gives money away. Yeah, kind yeah, of. He gives and money even away, this, but... this would be too expensive for him to do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. But that's why I'm saying. Like, but th like there are YouTube channels and stuff that exist where like lots of dumb money just goes away because they have so many followers and like it would be clickbait. But we would have probably heard something about that, right? So we sure. can. We think we can probably eliminate one of those types from being the buyer. Is what sure. I'm saying. Uh, so fractional share investing company. I think this is possible. Um, and I think it's unlikely both because the price is 
outstanding. If you would, so the thing with a fractional share investing company is you might want to overpay to give the illusion that this game is worth 1.5 million. So maybe we should push the price up to 2 million. Cause that seems like the next logical step rather than like trying to get one for a deal. Well, um, and also, if they were going to do it, I think bidding in a heritage auction would make sense, right? Because you want that as publicized as possible. Just quietly buying a $750,000 copy or a $50,000 copy that you could have got months ago uh, of this game sealed doesn't do the same as saying, we bought the most expensive Mario and now you have a chance to own a piece of the you know most expensive game in history. Yeah, and so... My one point of reference for this, uh, earlier this year, the one cent uh, magenta British Guyana stamp, uh, it is a one of one, quote unquote, the, the most desirable stamp in the world. It sold for like $9 million to a company that's going to put fractional shares out. Like two hours after the sale, there was a website up where you could sign up for notifications. You could you could sign up for a newsletter. There were tweets like they were like, hey, guys, we bought this and soon you can buy this. And like, I didn't see Otis do that. I didn't see Rally do that. And uh, so it, it's kind of this. It's the same thing with the YouTubers, right? Like the minute this would have happened, uh, a reason to click or a reason to sign up, like some notification would have been put out into the world about this already. Yeah, like we're yeah. we're gonna this Where's is gonna come publicity? out like a week or week and a half late. Like the time to strike is when Kotaku is putting out an article about the game that's sold. Because that's when you want normal people to be like, oh, I could buy a piece of this. Yeah, the time to strike isn't when Collector's Quest does a podcast. But <laughs> that is hundred percent true. If we ever yeah. say, like, oh man, this is the Collector's Quest financial services spec pick, your time is over, guys. You should have bought it two weeks ago. Yeah. I no, that's not true. We've been right about a lot of things. I mean, to be fair, uh, it's true. Like, you guys all bought your sealed Street Fighter twos instead of the IMA pit, right? Let's just well, keep bringing up our biggest win. Yeah, well, I mean, or our general advice to go buy the oldest, nicest stuff. Yes, we than, have also said that uh, condition has typically been criminally underpriced. Um, and now here we are. And then we uh, we didn't take our own advice, and we didn't go buy all the nicest sealed stuff, though. Because yeah, well, I mean, I like it's just not really. Games, a, I mean, giving giving advice is a lot easier than taking it. Hundred percent. All right. So, Johnny, that really leaves us with uh, one very likely buyer. Uh, uh, money laundering. Money laundering and fraud. Damn it, Wade. We we caught you. FBI is on their way. Uh, it's got to be an investor, an investment group. It's the only thing that makes sense. Uh, and there are two ways you could look at it, I think. And one way is wrong. So the first way you could look at it, someone bought a Super Mario 64 objectively not the most collectible game of all time. It's fucking Super Mario 64, and I'm not saying it that. Is, it is very recognizable. <laughs> it's recognizable, absolutely. Nostalgic to millennials all over the world. I Maybe, I, I would hesitate to even call it top 10 most collectible game. Um, top 100, definitely. The, if you think there is a person who bought this for 1.5 million, just out of the blue, just, you know, Wall Street's like, I'm looking for a game to invest in. How about I spend... Double the most expensive price paid for a game ever on this perfect condition Super Mario 64 with the hopes that just Super Mario 64 is going to appreciate to two and a half million, three million dollars and they'll get their money out of it. You are out of your mind that that would make no sense for them to push the price up to double the highest price ever paid for any video game. Probably a hundred times what anyone has ever paid for a Super Mario 64. 
at least, at least 10 times what anyone ever paid for a Super Mario 64. So the thing, whoever bought this or whatever group of people bought this, 1 million percent is sitting on a hoard of more collectible games, Johnny. It's the only explanation. It's obvious. Yeah, I believe that as well. Yeah. Uh, like, if you have a sealed Super Mario Brothers, and we'll say a hang tab, because uh, that's the realistic one that people might have. If you have a, a 9.4 hang tab Super Mario Brothers, I think in everyone's mind, that is more collectible than fucking Super Mario 64. At least in this, like, weirdo high-end world where we're taking these prices as being legit. I'm just comparing relative. I know objectively none of these prices make any sense. I mean, and the other thing, you know, which makes sense in this, and this is another thing we've talked about here. It has, a thing has to be available. Like it has to be rare, but still available enough for investors to come and grab it and push it. Because if there, if it's a one of one copy, then it's just a trophy. And then no one can ever like really spec bid on it, buy more, push the market with it. It's just one done gone. You need games that have enough in there that just seem rare enough that have enough hype behind them have enough popularity uh, whatever dennis's ours are the four of them you know has enough of those things but also has the big a availability you know that people can still kind of find it like it's hard to find and you know you would have to pay for it but you could get it it has to be obtainable 100% like whoever bought this probably has at least one other mint copy of super mario 64 right right so that's why I'm saying. So Mario 64 maybe makes sense as a perfect target for a group like this, right? Because if you could hype this enough, there was enough out there that you could get them, you could buy, you could be scooping up multiples and then push these out, you know, at a later time. Though this price, that's not me justifying this price. Like, let's be clear. Because yeah. I think this price is like stupid, ridiculous, and like so many red flags. I, I don't understand what's going on. It, like it uh, just doesn't make it. It doesn't make any sense. To it me. doesn't. That's why it's going to be so interesting. Like this, I realize it's in perfect condition, guys. But it's so pie in the sky. Like the week the auction that hit. Uh, so th- there was another heritage auction after this of just like random bullshit, and nothing seemed like super out of control in that. Uh, but like next time, some of these like high end early Mario and Zelda games come up, like, and if they don't hit. Like a million dollars, is it going to be like, oh my God, the market's so weak now. What's going on? Where'd the investor money go? Uh, We're definitely in for crazy times either way. Either everything is going to the moon uh, or it's going to seem real disappointing when you can't repeat this sale. Yeah, this is, this is so, it's such a weird sale. Like, I just want to give you a couple numbers and these aren't like 9.0s or anything or whatever, 9.8s. But there's like an 80 plus uh, VGA that sold for like 12,000. There's like, there was one that sold back in April for 8,200. That was an 8.0. There's just like been multiple copies. There's a 75 A plus for $6,000. Like, is the gulf really that big between 9.8? It is, yes. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not in the conditional rarity, but like I would say 9.4 is when games start getting nice okay. and like A++ seal is Here, the only Here's a not, there's a 9.0. Oh no, that was a complete box. Never mind. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, it seems crazy to me that like, here's one that like looks super nice, not graded, sold for 16,000 back uh, in May. Like, so prices were going up, but this is, 
the difference, like even even at like if this is a nine, right, or an eight point five, sixteen thousand. The difference between sixteen thousand and I don't know a million five is is vast, dude. It's vast. There's, it, it's, I the, agree. The, the difference between those two grades is not commiserate to the to the gape that is uh, sitting there. The ga- gape, the gap, the gap, the gape. Well. I mean, once you get into this this graded world, like the object stops mattering as much as the number. Because you look at a I comic know, I mean, and like a nine point four comic, it's like fucking mint condition. But it's garb. If it's a modern comic, it is literal trash. If you don't have a nine point eight, and that's all that yeah. matters. So, uh, and like I would call Super Mario sixty four is like almost a modern game. Twenty five years old is not super old. I've got an eight point five A plus, Johnny. I bought the first Super Mario sixty four the Heritage Auctions ever sold. I'm a garbage yeah, a man. Yeah, and you got an 8.5? I do. And uh, do you, are you rich now? Uh, is this going in the next <laughs> the, Heritage The auction? one on Heritage sold for like 30 grand. I paid $900 and I felt like an idiot, but I'm like, God damn, I just want Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time. I don't care. I will just pay it. Okay, so you paid 900 for a, for an 8.5? 8.5, A plus, yes. Sorry, you have to say both grades, Johnny. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. A lot of uh I'm sorry, I don't understand their lettering, especially when their lettering doesn't even match the Damn description it. of how <laughs> of how their shit works. Um, oh, cool. My gardeners just came, so that's nice. My dogs will bark, and it'll pick up in this audio. All right. Nice. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so you paid $900 for that? I did. So I'm sorry. <laughs> why are you such a poor? Like, why, why didn't you get the 9.8 and just spend the 1.5? So, actually, I think I bought this from Wade. So, I think Wade put this copy up on Heritage. And then after it sold, he's like, I still got a 9.6 in the bag. I'm not selling that one. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I paid an extra couple hundred bucks to get that one. And that was probably worth, like, $100,000 or more now. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, good call on him selling me the bullshit one on Heritage. Uh, no, like, how much do you think yours is worth now? Got to be fifty thousand, right? No, one just sold on Heritage, like same exact rate as mine, sold for like thirty thousand. So, like in okay. in like the real world, mine's worth like maybe fifteen thousand. And I say worth in the biggest quotes because I don't understand any of this, Johnny. Tyler is an investor supreme. You you heard it here first. He turned nine hundred dollars into maybe fifteen or thirty thousand uh, dollars. It, anyways, that's actually pretty uh, bad returns of the past two years, Johnny. Well, yeah, you are doing games that have you, gone eight thousand x. Yeah, are are you are you only ten xing? God, you suck at this. I mean, which is like, you have to hear that statement and see how like hear how stupid that sounds, and then you have to talk to people and then realize how stupid they sound when they say that's reasonable. So that's the world we live in, though. It's there's a Gen Z, maybe millennial, like cryptocurrency mindset where like eight percent a year on your investments, Johnny, is bullshit. How do I get? 50%. How do I get 10,000%? Uh, and the answer is hype. You just buy all the hype things, yeah. Johnny. Hype it up. Okay, so well, let's ask, let me ask you another thing. Is, is this money laundering? Do you know about money laundering? Is this it? Uh, Was I it mean, money laundering? How is how is it money laundering? It wouldn't be okay, because well, they're, me, let's, they're let's, buying... Let's go. Okay, go ahead. Let's, let's talk about what money laundering is, so for, because I, a lot of people said this was money laundering. Like that was their first impulse. They said tax evasion, money laundering, crime, get the FBI involved. These are real quotes that I'm taking from Facebook groups that I, I don't even really participate in. But like they like the buzzwords were they, they were so big in caps that they were 
finding my eyeballs, even in my brief time there. Um, okay. Money laundering. One is the process of, of taking money illicitly got for the most part. Like, so you got money because you're like a drug Lord and then you take it and you put it into an object and, uh, you know, an object or business, which then legitimizes the money. And then you take that money and then move it somewhere else. Like you usually, like you know, that's the placement part. So like, so that what, let me just go through. There's, there's three steps. There's placement. Then there's the layering. So the placement is you put it into like an object or a business that's placement. Then the layering is then maybe you move it. Like if it's in a bank, maybe you move it through four or five banks or multiple investments, sell some and, and move the money around a little bit. And then integration is the third part where you then take all of those things. And then like, maybe you make a charitable group and put yourself as the founder or something or a head of a consortium and you are the CEO and, uh, you know, you give yourself a really big salary with that money. So that's, you know, thus legitimizing, uh, what that making that money look legitimate. So do you think that kingpins, uh, of, of drug cartels or, uh, mafias have come to video game collecting, decided to put their money into games, the placement portion, they're like, oh man, this is kind of cool because it's also it's placement and layering at the same time. I can just do two steps at once. They were just like, we can like we can make this now a two-step process and I can just placement and layer by buying a Mario on eBay and then grading it and selling it and then like paying auction fees and, and uh, doing all this stuff to integrate later. Like when I buy my video game store, said the mafia, is that what's happening? Well, the funny part is, so if you're accusing this of money laundering and like all the big, like the biggest sales were all one dude selling them and he's been involved in video games for at least a little while. So you're basically accusing him of illicitly finding like millions of dollars and then money laundering it through these collectibles that happen to be super hot right now. That would sell for probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I I don't know. It it breaks my brain, Johnny. Yeah, you would have to believe you would would have to believe a cartel approached like if it was Wade, right? You would have or Wayne. uh, You would have to believe that they approached him, said, hey, we're going to put our money into this. You're going to be part of it. You're going to be the placement and the layering portion of our operation. And we're going to pay you X amount of money and we're going to pay off your collectibles. And uh, it, it seems unlikely. Also, the sales are so ridiculously high for video games. <laughs> They're such outliers that they like they are so obviously red flaggy. I mean, it would be like hiding in plain sight. So maybe it's just like the courage to do the most obvious stupid thing and not get caught. But that doesn't. It would be it like jive with depositing like, so one dollar many... less than ten thousand dollars into a bank account every day, so it doesn't trip a flag. <laughs> right. So it, you're just like ah, you know, it's the big brain meme. You know, um, just I just don't I just don't think that's what happened. And all the people like maybe it is. I, again, there's something fishy, right? Like something weird happened here, and I don't know what it is. Um, and I, we, I mean, we talked about some of the reasons we it could have been, but it, it's still weird. And we both agree to that, but I just like crying for the FBI or money laundering to get involved. Like also, I don't really want my tax dollars to be investigating this. Like I would really rather the FBI focus on more important things. Uh, it's okay. The IRS doesn't have nearly enough, uh, tax fraud investigators. So they just go I, after poor people, Johnny. Yeah. So it's not going to be investigated either way. <laughs> True. 
Uh, but it's just like, guys, uh, it's, um, yeah, that's crazy. Also, fun fact, it's called money laundering uh, because Al Capone, uh, as part of his layering and placement, used laundry mats uh, uh, through part of his scheme, cash-only laundry mats. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, no, I thought they did the same thing in Breaking Bad, but that was a car wash. Uh, also very symbolic, though. Yes. Very cool. So, anyways... There's your uh, there's your fun fact. Also, money laundering didn't become illegal till 1986. Everyone thought before they would have to get you uh, like a, a, a like a an ancillary crime, a crime right next to what you were doing, like the tax evasion. That's how they got Capone, right? Um, so they found out like he's laundering money, but really, what they got him for was the tax evasion because money laundering wasn't actually a crime and until 86. But now that is fully a crime. So, hooray! Anyways. Um, yeah, I think we can stop talking about Mario 64. <laughs> I know you have a few more thoughts you want to throw out, but like, what no, else sorry. do we have to say? Wait, I, I could save thoughts on the mark in general till after this. Let's talk, I guess, Zelda. Uh, yeah, because the there's Legend more crazy stuff that happened. Yeah, there's like, Legend that Zelda wasn't the only crazy thing. NES, a no rev A, three screw copy sold for $870,000. Okay, well, explain, explain, explain what a no rev A is, because I heard it was, well, what was the wording that Heritage used? Uh, I mean, um, they said uh, there's only one variant earlier than this and there's only one sealed copy of that variant neither which is really true i'm pretty sure there's at least two sealed tm zeldas i'm i'm so not involved in like keeping track of who owns what games there are some people like you could tell them like oh yeah he owns the that game that's worth a million dollars he owns that game i don't know so this is so the first zelda first legend of zelda has tm on the box after Nintendo Entertainment System. There are two manual variants of that. We're in the sealed world. We're not going to worry about that. The second quote-unquote print of Zelda has an R instead of a TM, and it does not say Reve in the bottom right. And Johnny, what's Reve? A revision, eh? Of what? First revision? Uh, oh, boy. Well, depends, right? Like, No, it doesn't. <laughs> yes, it does. Reve, Go ahead. Tell, tell Reve me what means it. the three-screw NES cartridge. Okay. Well, it means... Uh, there, there's some debate actually. So yes, of the cart, but it usually the rev- revisions are noted on each part of the material. Uh, if those, if those materials have been uh, revised, right? And this is what I've been finding out. So if a cart only has been revised, you could see a box. And I don't know if this applies for NES, like early as NES. I know it applies for later as Nintendo went along in their revisions, but like they started telling you the revision on all three components because you could have a non-revised component like cart and a revised manual because everything stayed the same in the game nothing changed like but they added spanish language or they added uh, a warning for flashing uh, for seizures so they revised only the manual portion so you might have like a dash one uh, on the manual uh, but have a non-dash one cart that happens so, okay, I strongly I don't know if that's advise true everyone for... to not be confused by what Johnny just said, because he is correct that revisions are often like dash one, dash two on different product codes, but rev A on a box is, specifically yeah, means three screw cartridge. Okay. Um, so this is interesting because this is a no rev A variant, but it has a three screw cartridge. So this was in the, the transition period where the box had not been changed yet, but the cartridge had been changed. Um and this is like, I, Wada has like magical ways to determine how many screws are in a, a sealed game. I don't know how they do it, but it's awesome that they can do it. I mean, you could probably just do it by weight. 
that's that's a real real light, but maybe. Um, I mean, if you have like a micrometer or something, you could. You, yeah. You know. I mean, I would say that having the three screw cartridge is a lot less cool than having a sealed five screw cartridge, even Absolutely. if you're not getting the a, first print. A lot. I mean, we went down a very long long road to say that this is not even nearly the coolest copy you could have. Yes. And you know, for the same price, I don't think you would be able to get a first print. Uh, I think that would be worth more than a million dollars, even before all this stuff with all the craziness in the market. Really? You think it would, uh, you th like yes. when we predicted the million dollar game, uh, after the hundred thousand dollar Mario, this is not what we talked about. <laughs> is it not? It might oh. be because it's not for sale. I, I, I mean, I don't really know, but, um, huh. But that was like I understand. This is rare. Like early sealed copies of Zelda are rare, as far as I know. I just, you know, if I'm this was hundreds of thousands of dollars more than again the most expensive game that ever sold, and this has almost nothing going for it entirely. It's not the earliest version of Zelda. It's not the best condition. It's like a 9.0 A, which in Wada is like pretty meh. And uh, it's not the rarest version of Zelda. All it has going for it is this particular version, this early-ish version is very rare to find sealed. And that's what gave it all the value. Personally, I mean, I'm not an investor. I'm sure this, this guy will do great on his investment whenever he, he dumps this. But uh, if I was spending crazy money, I would get the mintest possible uh, first print Zelda. Even if it's not factory sealed, I could build the best ever complete in box one. And at least I know, well, it's earlier than that stupid sealed one. So in my mind, that one's better. Yeah, but that's that's a, a problem of our mindset versus the sealed collector mindset. I, it's true. Uh, the next game I want to talk about, Johnny, unless you have something more to say about uh, Mario, is exactly why my brain works differently. Uh, um, when we were talking about Zelda, but no. Go ahead. Super Mario Brothers, the actual Matt Sticker first print. So since 2019, since people were like, well, we should all care about first prints. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's go to Japan. Let's get the actual first prints of everything. Even in America, let's get like the actual first thing. All right, mass stickers, whatever. Let's do it. Um, and then all the high-end people are like, no, fuck it. We just want the best condition stuff. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, again, I mean, we've talked about it. it. Like, this is one thing to know just about sealed collecting. The fetish is the number, right? The, the rarity is now on the number. Yes. A lot more importance is placed on... You know, and this is why they want pop reports, right? And this is the other thing is that led to a bunch of this is people really crying for those pop reports. Really yeah. just, and, and uh, you know, it's too bad Stefan isn't here because he also wants pop reports. And I think people who want pop reports don't know what they're asking for exactly. Um, you know, th they think it, everyone who's crying for a pop report thinks it's going to be good for the hobby. But really, what they want well, to do is show that they have a that there are so limited amounts that justifies the price they've paid and the, the price they're selling stuff at. That's Johnny, all. The pop all reports are going to be very good for the hobby uh, because yeah, uh, PSA and CGC have been in business for decades. NGC, all these grading companies, and WADA has three years. They've been in business. Essentially, two years has been when things have been going crazy, and they have. A small handful of graders. They're like these grading companies are not nearly as big as people think they are. No, it's like they, they... a couple guys in a room. So all of the numbers are going to be super small and spread out over ten thousand different yes, games. Absolutely, so everything is going to seem so rare. You're going to be like Burnout Three on Xbox. There's only five of those graded. Holy shit! 
Yeah, well, one, let's talk about statistical significance, which people aren't into, and maybe, like, a lot of these people, they start to talk about statistics, but it's like they forgot their statistics 101 class that they took, or never took, they just, like, I don't know, watched a TED Talk on statistics or something, or a YouTube video, I don't know where they're getting their information, but it's super bad. One, you have to have enough, in a pop report, you have to have enough items to, like, really show on the curve, like what games have had a lot of copies versus what hasn't. So you like, we need all of those dumbass Tomb Raiders and every copy of Grand Theft Auto from the triple pack to, to be grand and sealed so we can show a proper distribution of these. But right now, not enough has gone through because the company has not existed long enough and has not graded enough games, even though it seems like everything is graded now. There isn't enough grading done for a population port be accurate or to for people to take seriously statistics. I mean, that's Wada's excuse for not releasing the pop report. It's I would the guess such how statistics work. No, it's they were they were definitely competing between Collectors Universe and CGC for who was going to buy them, and they didn't want them to know. Well, like, I sure they didn't want that I'm, information I'm sh- out for some reason. Yes, I'm sure for <laughs> for them that's true, but also in reality, that is how statistics work. Like it doesn't sure. prove anything. People are just going to go into a fever and be and. Like bad information is already rife in in all these dumb hobbies and in video games, and it hurts my feelings all the time. People just put out these numbers, and they're just asinine. Like remember in the early collecting days, people would be like, "Yeah, they only printed ten thousand of these." Like they just make up numbers, and people will be like, oh, "And it just keeps getting oh, you more dirty." Uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, Johnny. Of course, they only yeah, printed ten thousand, uh, sure. and uh, sculptors cut. There's yeah, twenty thousand blockbusters, but they only gave uh, one copy to every other blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> It just and these numbers like once people get that into their brain, it becomes part of the cycle of information and it is so hard to purge it. It's just bad information. It comes in people like because it benefits them enough to keep saying it initially. And then all of a sudden you were just stuck with it forever. And then I'm constantly telling people, you don't know anything. There was more than 10,000 of this. Please stop saying that. And they're like, no, that was bro. You you are I wrong. saw it on DigiPress in 2007. Yeah, I read it dude. on Wikipedia. There was 10,000 of them only. Definitely. It's like, oh, did you, have you seen some numbers from the company, the company that, you know, went out of business and we have no idea? Oh, no. Uh, well, it's just assumed because, no. No, Johnny, there's no. a bunch of those out there. I feel like it's more like 20,000, right? It feels like 20,000 around. Yeah. Yeah. This feels, let's, let's go with our feelings on this. That's definitely the way to go. Anyways, so that is always my caution on pop reports and like like people think, oh, it's going to be so good for me. But then like the people are still trying to invest when any new game comes out. Here's here's what it's akin to. Let's say you are trying to buy a, a complete game on eBay and let's use uh, I'll use just one from my my current collecting uh, GBA. So there's not a lot of boxes out there. There's not a lot of people who really push GBA collecting. There's not like these big stores haven't come up and like pushed out inventory. So if there's none on the market and you can't find any, the guy who's like, oh man, I'm going to sell this, but I don't see any for sale. How much should I put it for sale for? There's none out there. I'll put it for sale for $3,000. Yes, I know it's a budget title and no one cares about it and no one's ever heard about it, but definitely $3,000 seems like a reasonable price to put this at. And, to, and I'll put or best offer on it and, and take less, but uh, I'm not competing with anyone because none of these exist. So this seems like a good thing. And then like after like one desperate person buys that one and then someone sees that sale and then it brings out like five more. Then the price goes down. 
that like you don't want that to happen with population reports. You, like that's that will be the same mindset and behavior. We've already demonstrated as people who buy and sell in this hobby that this is how they will act and how buying will be enacted. So if you get a pop report that's going to do this, but the money and the scale it's going to be on is going to be at, on a sealed level, which is like 10, 20, 50 X. Everything we're doing. Is that like the world you want to live in? Do you think you, you're going to be able to reasonably buy into more stuff or are you going to have to diversify and start buying Sega games and hyping those up? And we will show you how that didn't go <laughs> <That's>, well. <laughs> Welcome to the future, Johnny Xbox, Xbox 360, PS3. We're not going deeper into the, the older stuff. We're just going to, Find the most popular newer stuff. People are buying sealed Switch games and putting them away, Johnny. I know. I Someone lived through the comic speculation bubble. And, like, there was obvious, like, you could, X-Force 1 in perfect condition probably sells for over $100 now. So, like, okay. they eventually made it. But uh, there's people putting away everything now, Johnny. Okay, I want to talk about this Super Mario Brothers. Like, maybe legitimately one of the most interesting things Heritage Auctions has sold. It is... A complete in box 5.5 matte sticker first print Super Mario Brothers. Again, if you're not in the water world, 5.5 is like literally essentially trashed. Like where the sticker used to be is completely ripped off. But I guess there's other ways to tell that this was a, a matte sticker. The interesting thing about this is it has a first print manual in it. And Heritage Auctions, they, they've called numerous copies of Super Mario Brothers the first print. And they've technically been wrong. Because the way... They've been as wrong as many times as we have. Of course, yes. So uh, you could go deeper into like PCB variants and stuff, but WADA doesn't document that, so kind of you're on your own. But there is a first print manual, and this is the first copy, I believe, they've actually sold with the first print manual. It is genuinely rare. Um, and there will be more, maybe more of these manuals out there than the boxes. And there's probably a ton of manuals out there that no one has searched through to find all of these manuals. But at the moment, if you wanted to get one of these manuals, genuinely rare, Super Mario Brothers, it's the game that started all of this. Even if you don't think it's like the most collectible game of all time, not the most important game of all time, you're probably wrong. It's probably one of the top like three most important games of all time. This is it. This is the, the first, first, first print as far as collectors right now look into print runs. And... When my mindset changed and started thinking about first prints, I would say you look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, the comic book, that is the closest parallel to how I think. If you look at that book, uh, there's 3,000 of the first print, I think 6,000 of the second print, and there's other prints that go on from there. A like a graded 2.0 first print sells for way more than a 9.8 second print. 9.8! Uh, second print, it's only twice as common as the first print, and it's fucking garbage. You have the first print turtles, or you have fucking nothing. And the Super Mario Brothers sold for $3,600. Two months ago, one in 6.5 condition with the second print manual sold for $9,300. And it also had the sticker ripped off, so it has terrible eye appeal. I don't understand it. This... It's like the most complete in box interesting thing they've had. It's the game that people should want to have a first print of. And it's like one of the lowest selling things of this entire crazy auction. It's the only item that like I was legitimately considering bidding on. Well, one, the terrible eye appeal. And also, you know, they don't have any money after buying Mario and Zelda. This is Mario. This is a better Mario. 
I agree. So the only thing, so this is really Heritage's fault. Uh, There's a descriptor on the back that says manual page torn. That's it. And I don't know what that means. There's no picture. There's no description. I don't know if that means that there's a small tear. I don't know if that means there's a chunk missing. I don't know if that means there's a page missing. Basically, all of the value in this item would be the manual to me. And then the box would and cartridge are just like check boxes. But I legitimately would have bid on this if I knew what the condition of the manual was. If it wasn't like a chunk is missing from the manual, I probably would have uh, bid this higher. Yes, $3,600. I would consider bidding this higher. This is the most important thing Heritage has sold. Except, you know, obviously the first prints in Japan. Don't think about it. Anyway, uh, that's my collector brain thinking. Because obviously condition is all that matters, Johnny. Uh, yeah, another example of that. Um, so an 8.5 A plus Super Mario 64 sold for, it was like 30,000, 31,000. I don't remember. A 9.4 player's choice sold for 29,000. Like fucking player's choice. The, the version is not what matters. It's just the fucking number. Yeah, I mean, to a point, but gross. Yeah. Also gross. So tell me, um, I, there was some Pokemons, right, that were supposed to do not great this auction. How'd they do? Uh, I, I, I don't care about the sealed Pokemon stuff. Like, I like sealed Pokemon Emerald and all that garbage. I, I have no interest in any of the later Pokemon games. But again, uh, this is the second item I've been waiting to show up on Heritage Auctions next to like the firsty first first Mario is Pokemon Blue, the misprint. The first print of Pokemon Blue says Pokemon Red on the back of it. It is the earliest verifiable release of a Pokemon game. So the first, the quote unquote, you know, first print as far as we can tell. And who's on the box? I don't fucking know. Uh, Squirtle? Squirtle? Or Blastoise? Oh my fucking, you old man. Oh yeah. So Blastoise is on the front of the box, but there's also variants with the screenshots on the back of the box, Johnny. That's what I thought you meant. Okay. Anyway. No. So this first print is only on Pokemon Blue. Uh, It's about five times rarer than the other early prints of Pokemon Blue. And there's no analog on Pokemon Red. So if you're buying a quote unquote first print of Pokemon Red, that was in production for like two years. This print of Pokemon Blue is in production for, I forget, it was on, it's on video game stage, but it's like a few months and it's before the anime, it's before the card game. This was like specifically this variant introduced Pokemon to America. And I think it that's so interesting. It's the truest first. It's the first. It is the truest first is. and it only exists in Pokemon Blue. I, I fucking love it. It's such a good variant. I, I don't have one complete in box. I want to get one complete in box. Uh, it's sold for $96,000. I'm going to say objectively crazy, but compared to even Super Mario 64, fucking excellent deal if we're taking these prices as literal, because Pokemon is equal to Super Mario 64. I don't well, know. Well, well, just hold on. Maybe we're better? Gonna, we're going we're gonna to say that this is not a good, like, this is a hell of a deal for other reasons. We'll, we'll get into later, but. Okay. How did, how did Pokemon Red do? And then a Pokemon Red, which again at least five times as common because it has Charizard on the box sold for $136,000 because right. all that matters right. is Charizard. Yeah. But we also have a list of a hundred thousand dollar games, don't we? Uh, yeah, that, I just, like when you look at objectively, this Pokemon blue should have sold for more than most of these. I mean, the thing is Pokemon sealed is not relatively common. 
But even then, like rarity doesn't matter anymore. Demand does, so it's Pokemon. It should be what? it should be the one point five million dollar game, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, when when you look at a Final Fantasy VII third print, what did that Final Fantasy sell for? Over a hundred k, right? I think that's the fourth print. I don't know. Final I, I mean, Fantasy it, it's a print after three because there's the action and violence is the first print. Realistic. Uh, the violence. second, yeah, realistic violence. There's the the uh, floating eye. The misplaced yes. eye, which is the second print, and this is a print after that because it's corrected. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say the masterpiece misprint is the second print. I don't know if that's second or third, but yeah, this is sometime after yeah. that. I, I believe it is. Technically... The point is, it's after. Like we know that the floating eye is not the first or, or first or, first last, or yes. second. It's like it's not the first print. It's we know that, middle. so this is a print after the first print. I think the the misprint is actually technically the most common. I think. Anyway, this is a later print, and I think, like, technically, I think this might be the rarest Final Fantasy VII, but that, like, 100% doesn't fucking matter. The buyer didn't know that. These like, people aren't thinking like that. <laughs> it is just, oh, Final Fantasy VII and big numbers, 9.88 plus, I should spend $144,000 for this. More than the, po you think that's a, a better buy or a worse Fuck buy? Fuck no. <laughs> right, but that's I mean, my point. <laughs> I'm... I'm both a Nintendo guy. I'm 31 years old, which is like literally prime Pokemon age. So, I, I mean, that kind of puts me in prime Final Fantasy age. I just yeah, wasn't. that's what I'm saying. Like you were in good Final Fantasy VII age too. But uh, like, just in terms of both rarity and continuing popularity, Pokemon is more popular than Final Fantasy, and it was <laughs> so much cheaper and is so much rarer. Uh, that, you know what it didn't have? It was only a 9.4 A++ Johnny, which is just like absolutely near mint as right. opposed to basically perfect condition. Yeah, true. On a, a jewel right. case game. A jewel case gets like a 9.8 if it's not cracked. <laughs> That's not true. true. Don't send me emails. I know they check the manuals. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do they check the holes and then grade it correctly? <laughs> well, there. I mean, uh, Johnny, you might be referring to a retro gem miner where... Uh, <laughs> I might be, uh, what is A and A plus seals are not very exciting, I will say. Considering yeah. a lot of these games are literally like 20 to $100 games. So you're paying $100,000 for shrink wrap. I think if you're paying that premium for shrink wrap, you should pretty much get mint shrink wrap and not like a couple giant holes in it. Even you a know, couple I, mini holes in it. I think you shouldn't I, have holes in $100,000 shrink wrap. That's very expensive shrink wrap. It is. And, you know, I used to look at some of my games and be like, I could never send this in to get graded. It would get such a bad grade. And then I, I look at some of these high-graded games carefully, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's this is this is better than I thought. Never mind. I I'm mean, fine. it's... I I was not involved in the sealed world. I've, I've never been involved in the sealed world. But before, in this, this VGA definitely grades shrink wrap harsher. And yes. the, the mindset before was like, you have VGA gold or you have nothing. And you, you don't get a VGA gold if your shrink wrap is torn up or anything. And you send it to WADA, you, you got like a little bit shitty shrink wrap, you can still get an A. And psychologically, it's like, oh, well, it's an A. So it's good yeah, enough it's for why, me. <laughs> it's why I hate these letters. Like this, this is why like people well, and think what, If it wasn't a letter, it would be a nine or something. And no, that would still be psychologically it nice. Because if you, if you put it on the same one through 10 number scale... It would. There's no way that could get a nine. There's no way. It would. It just would not happen. Mm. It would be like a six. <laughs> and that. And this is why. Like 
you you like you change the scale, you obfuscate, and you can make shittier things look nicer, which definitely appeals to investors, and I fucking hate that. So just level everything off. My whole job is taking information and and normalizing it and making it so people don't do this sort of thing, which is take their information and make the situation seem better than they are. I have to like really put it through a lens and make it look as bad as it actually is. And people get so mad at me for that, but it's like literally my job. So when I see other companies doing this for financial gain, it makes me upset. All right, Johnny, I'm just going to run through the $100,000 games. These games Please also do. for more than $100,000. I'm just going to go on memory. Uh, Tomb Raider was $144,000. It was like 9.4A, yeah. like not even mint. Um, Final Fantasy VII, I think it was 9.4A+. Plus. Uh, Super Mario World, I think, was $360,000. That was the that's complete box, black box. Is that and the most expensive Super Nintendo game that's ever sold? Has to be, right? Oh, fucking has to be. And that was the second print uh, complete no box. No one cares one. about Super Nintendo. It's, I, I it's just, just like uh, link to the past. I guess there wasn't a mint enough one. It was over like 96,000. Just missed this list. I'm sorry, Johnny. I, you know, I just, my gen Xness feels, feels <laughs> the, uh, the rebuff that super Nintendo continues to get. Uh, how do you like that? The, the Ocarina of time sold double what a sealed link to the past. Did. And I know whatever it's, it's in mint condition, but you know what? Fuck link to the past. Ocarina of time is the best Zelda game ever made. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, the market has spoken. Final Fantasy sold for two hundred thousand. You know what that's like saying? That's like saying Miley Cyrus is the best music singer ever because <laughs> she had the like the highest sales or whatever. Like just like no one's like when people say that, you're just like okay, no. Or Britney Spears. Like you go back to all the pop bands that sold these crazy ass numbers back in the early aughts. You're just like so they're clearly the best because they sold the most. That that's not true. That's not how things work. Anyways. Um, go on. Final Fantasy, $200,000. I think that's a crazy sale because Final Fantasy is not that rare sealed. Um, no, I, I'm super annoyed. that like, It's one of the games I do want sealed, but never going to happen. <laughs> You're done. Uh, Mario Bros. I, it was probably between one and 200000 I don't remember exactly what that was. Uh, like These prices continue to astound me because Mario Bros. on NES is like not the... Th- we had an episode on historical Mario games. Do you remember Mario Bros. on NES coming up? It's like such a nope. random fucking piece of Mario history, but it's it's worth over hundred grand now. Uh, Contra, uh, that was probably one to $200,000. Um, I don't know. Contra's cool. I, I'm giving the thumbs up to the Contra sale. Even though two years ago, we freaked out about a $2,000 Contra. Good, good on Contra. Definitely don't have a sealed one. I like, I, I don't have a sealed one of those. I'm not pumping Contra. I just like Contra. Super Smash Brothers, $144,000. What's up, Johnny N64? Woo! Um, there was an episode we did back in the day called, Is the N64 Garbage? <laughs> and spoiler alerts, the answer is yes. It's still yes. I don't care if you paid a million dollars for some games. It's still a trash system with a bad controller with bad games. Go, you're like, oh, but these games, and you can like sit there and be like, Mario Party, it's fine. It's still a bad system. And if you want that experience, you can go have that on any other system and have a better experience. So stop, stop talking to me about this. Don't at me about your stupid N64 games. Uh, I don't remember what this used to cost, but it was one of the games I looked at when I was like, FOMO, oh, just so I need to buy all the sealed games, whatever. And it was definitely too expensive. It was probably like $3,000. I'm like, that is fucking crazy. Get out of my face. And uh, of course, I made the right choice to not buy it. Uh, 
least interesting thing on our list, Johnny, there's this game called Nintendo World Championships. This was an oh, 8.0. Yeah, I, I haven't really heard of it. Yeah. Tell me more. Which, uh, like, because of, like, the glue on the cartridge, like, 8.0 is a pretty nice Nintendo World Championships. I think Stefan's was an 8.0 that he sold recently. Uh, $180,000. So, you know, just just double, I think, what it would normally go for. And uh, not at all a headlining sale at all in this auction. Like, not even close to a headline. No one is talking about the Nintendo World Championships sale. uh, (laughs) Let's just talk about this. When Mario sold for $100,000, that was a headline forever. And now we oh, just you just yeah. rattling off hundred thousand dollar games like it's fucking it's uh, it didn't sell less than Tomb Raider but it sold like about what Tomb Raider did Tomb Raider Nintendo World Champions what is going on if you tried to predict these prices five years ago people would like they would put you in an insane asylum Johnny you'd be like oh yeah Nintendo World Championships it's going to be in an auction and it's going to be like the seventh highest selling game in that auction like a really yeah. nice one I I'm going <laughs> to tell you that. Uh, Tomb Raider is going to be worth roughly the same as stadium events, and people would murder you. They would just be like, kill this person, they're infected with something, and we can't let it get to the community. Um, I, Like, sealed stadium events and Tomb Raider, I think, are like literally on par right now, Johnny. Like, I think you would probably buy a sealed stadium events for in the $150,000 range, and that's what you get a sealed Tomb Raider for. Like, a mint Tomb Raider? Because this is a 9.4A or something. Like, a mint Tomb Raider would probably be more than that. I bet a mint Tomb Raider is more than stadium events right now. That's insane. Also, That's insane. Uh, this this is a pretty good game list. I think Mario Bros is weird. Just personally, I don't see the history in that. But like Tomb Raider is clearly like the B level title. I don't care how important it was in the history of like third person shooting adventure type games. Like every other game on this list is more beloved than Tomb Raider. Uh, I mean, yes. Aside from, I don't know. It might be more beloved than Contra. Contra isn't a series that get the fuck out of particular. Yeah, it it, no, have Contra as much isn't. Like, and Tomb Raider, I would argue that Tomb Raider is a far more important game than Contra. And I know people are going to be upset by that, but if you're looking, like, Contra isn't that special of a game, and it's not that interesting. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I I grew up with Contra too. I enjoyed it. Played a lot of Contra. It's just less important than Tomb Raider. It's definitely less important. The thing, you, okay, you can't figure out why things sell for what they do. So you try to find the most historically important game in this auction like just you know print run things like that it's probably the super mario brothers that sold for like three thousand dollars you try to figure out the the best condition game and like okay like the super mario 64 sold for 1.5 million you try to find like the rarest game whether it's like nintendo world championships or stadium events like those sales were not making headlines every one of these crazy sales has some some amount of history and conditional rarity and and just straight up rarity to it but like when you try to find the equation it doesn't make sense no i've got the equation find the oldest nintendo game you can that is uh pop culture noteworthy with a super high grade and is sealed go okay that would be Makes that would be the hundred thousand dollar mario then johnny what are you uh, talking i about? mean that's that's the secret sauce that's, oh, that's secret how sauce to is just buy that one yeah um I mean, but now that hundred thousand dollar Mario, yeah, the hundred thousand dollar Mario is no longer a hundred thousand dollar Mario. How much until is it that sells now? again? It is the hundred thousand dollar Mario to me. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's talk about. I mean, those were crazy sales. Let's talk about ones we. I'm not gonna say we thought should do better, but objectively, probably should have done better. But people have ignored. Uh, you know. I've ignored these for some reason. Well, tell me what happened with Snatcher. So I, I, 
I didn't bring up the entire listing of the auctions. There were a few hundred games that sold. Uh, the two that stuck out to me as being very, very collector collector games were Snatcher and KO, uh, both purchased by the same person, Ryan Main. Uh, and I do think, like, in this crazy market where I'm pretending the prices make sense, definitely the best deals of the auction, besides, I think, the Pokemon Blue. Um, so Snatcher is like a nine-something B+. And B plus is a killer on sealed games. I know, but who fucking has a sealed snatcher? Yes, there are sealed snatchers out there. Snatcher is the one game on Sega CD people point to, and they're like, fucking, this is the game. There are other games on Sega CD. There are great games on Sega CD. This is the one game that it's a Hideo Kojima game. This is the only release of it in America. If you were like collecting the Hideo Kojima set and snatch, this has gone up in price crazy. Snatcher is like, what, one to $2,000 right now? And a sealed copy gets like double that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's astounding. Like this might as well have just sold on eBay. They they might have they probably got more because they had to pay hundreds of dollars. All of this like graded stuff like this is hundreds of dollars to grade this stuff. And then Heritage yeah. is taking a twenty percent cut by default of of all these prices we're talking about. So yes, for these low sales, you're generally getting completely wrecked. Yep. These collector titles like Snatcher just nothing on heritage no one cares because it's not like one of these cultural zeitgeist type titles and then uh the biggest flop of the entire auction maybe besides mario but like that mario was fucking wrecked uh the super mario brothers the the firsty first print that was fucking wrecked ko flying squadron sold for forty five hundred dollars after buyer's premium so this was like in the low three thousands was the hammer price uh for a sealed ko flying squadron again it was like a b plus so like fuck it you like, want to just tell sucks. people what the hammer price is versus the final price. hammer price is like the price that they show you that you're not actually going to pay and then the the end price like with the buyer's premium is the price that the buyer actually pays. yeah so the hammer price being when the hammer auctions like going once going twice sold and the hammer comes down that's the price it's sold for and then all these other premiums are tacked on top of yeah. it so that's not the price you're going to pay that's just the price the auction closed at and then premiums are added on so that's the price uh, after competition and then premiums so yeah and so when you look up the sold listings you're seeing with the buyer's premium uh, wrapped into that so you, when you look this up it'll say $4500 but let's just say fucking $4,500. Like, uh, that's a shitload of money. Again, objectively, like, none of these prices, these prices are pants on head crazy. I've never played that much for a game. Right? <laughs> but, KO Flying Squadron, the last one on eBay, sold for $3,000. This game, one of the most collectible Sega games of all time, I'm gonna say. This yeah. guy, he he had it, it became the most collectible game ever. I'm gonna say, minimum, he paid $300 to grade it. And then Heritage took, like, probably at least a thousand dollars from uh from just fees in this sale and he could have just opened it up and sold it on ebay and got the same three thousand dollars he probably got it's it's crazy to me uh how yeah. poorly this sold compared to anything it sold less than minecraft fucking minecraft beat ko flying squadron yeah not even minecraft i'm sorry minecraft xbox 360 edition which is the one we're gonna pretend is the real minecraft okay <laughs> sold for more than a seal ko flying squadron well, let me tell you, KO Flying Squadron on eBay back in June sold for three thousand dollars. Opened, opened. Yeah, There's yeah, one that's that sold for twenty five hundred dollars. There's another one that sold for thirty five hundred dollars. That's and these are open copies, people. There's one going right now that just like came up for auction. It's already at seventeen hundred dollars, and it's going to go for more than that. And it's opened. 
There's one listed for three thousand four hundred right now. And I mean, this is this is the way the investment market works. They don't care about titles yeah. that no one's heard about. But you, yeah, and that's, I'm just saying, like, yeah, this person would have done so much better on eBay 100%. that it's ridiculous. I mean, it it must be so tempting to look at those like crazy sales and heritage auctions and have like a really high end game and be like, oh, I'm gonna maybe not risk it in there. Yeah, like just just so you know, there's a one listed on eBay right now because this person has looked at all the other ones that have sold and like, oh man, this game's selling for like. $3,000 open objectively doing that continue like multiple sales. So this person put it up for $25,000 and they thought that's probably a reasonable thing to put it at. And then one goes to heritage and then sells for like 3000 or 2000, whatever dollars. And then has a big buyer premium tacked onto it. It's crazy. It, I don't understand. It sure it like the thing is as collectors, like we see these games in a different light, but start, Start looking at like the quote unquote lower sales of these really collectible games and just be like, okay, KO is a $4,500 uh, game and a Tomb Raider is $144,000. So I could have a Tomb Raider or 30 sealed KO flying squadrons and just like the math makes your brain explode. It's, yeah. you better have some games that people have fucking heard All of, right. Johnny, is really the moral of this uh, podcast. Let's talk about uh, yeah. The I mean, last stadium one. events. I think was uh, normal-ish. I, I, wow. I don't think it was disappointing. I think it was like one sold for twenty grand, eight point oh, and the other one sold for thirty grand, nine point four. Like, who cares about the condition of a stadium events cart that much? Uh, I would say those prices are about double what they were pre-COVID nineteen. So it feels like a very normal price because a game doubling during COVID nineteen seems about what happened. But like, to be fair, that's crazy. Because a $10,000 game doubling no, is crazy yeah. in a year. That's crazy, well, people. <laughs> wait till you see what the sealed $10,000 games did. I mean, those all went crazier than this. I, it, But that's crazy, too. Like, we, we've sat here, and we did a whole episode, and we just pretended that all of that's fine. But this is insane. That's, like, those these prices are crazy. I had a friend trying, asking me about this. Like, like how did that Mario go for $1.5 million? And how did this Zelda go for this? And they're, they know a little bit, right? So then we looked at some other sales and like, and how did this one go for like $80,000? And it was very hard to explain. They're like, you know a lot about this. And like, uh, well, like, because I don't want to sit here and justify these prices. You just say, well, there's an investor market versus a collector market. And they're not exactly the same thing. And investors, you know, they're on, they're on a completely different track. So sealed games go for big money and like I, I try and wash my hands of it that way but like really i these jumps are are ludicrous well for stadium events specifically though for I for mean, any of them and yes stadium events a game I, that I has <laughs> i know how you feel. people there's not look stadium events is a stupid game and i hate it right but let's say that you believe Right in the in the old collecting world, stadium events was important because why? Like aside from like its weird history, it did one very specific job. It completed it your set. A box. Set collecting is dead, right? Set collecting <laughs> is dead. Stadium events doubling in price still seems crazy to me because now this game is even less interesting than it was before because now it's doing a thing that people don't I care think, about. I think. I think. Any game would have doubled in the past. So it, it's, I think it's a sign of weakness that it only doubled, which is crazy to say, but I mean, look at literally, you know, comic coins, anything, real estate, fucking everything's going on fire right now. So just because something 
it went up doesn't mean it went up as excitingly as everything else. But uh, like you can say that, but then look at look at Snatcher, look at KO. It didn't happen for those, and those are more collectible titles, like as, as like rarity titles and trophy pieces. Those are like more in the collector vein than stadium events because stadium events it has some distinction, but it only did the one thing, right? Like it was popular and expensive because it completed the set and there wasn't enough for the demand. But now that demand doesn't really exist, so the fact that it still doubled that ten thousand dollars is crazy. I don't think it's crazy that it doubled, but the thing the thing that's crazy to me, uh, like maybe a little bit, is so the eight dot sold for like twenty grand, and the it was like a nine point four sold for like thirty grand. Uh, and like maybe like nine point four in a cartridge is crazy. Like what is I don't I don't know what they're smoking with their cartridge grading, but like fucking getting an eight point cartridge is like near mint and like really nice cartridge. Who the fuck cares about the condition of a stadium events cartridge? It checks a box. Like is someone know. going to uh, do a complete in box stadium events and try to get all the mintest condition components of a stadium events with this nine point four cartridge and try to build the ultimate. Maybe uh, thing like once you do that, it's going to be equal to the price of a sealed copy. So what the fuck are you doing? And who cares about having the mint condition stadium events compared to a very nice one? It checks the box. Go get the nicest Mario ever. That's just my opinion. Like I, I want a stadium events. I, I don't want it to be wrecked. Like I don't want any gouges or anything. But like the the premium for a 9.4 over an eight when in before we started putting these in cases, they would have been the exact same item both sold for like whatever, nine grand. Yeah. What a weird world. All right. All right. Yeah. It's a weird place. All right. All right. Well, I mean, that's all we on. wanted to talk about in sales, unless you had anything else to, to bring up Johnny. I don't think you follow these at all. Not nearly as closely as I do. I, it's not that I don't follow them at all. Cause I follow them a little. Um, like obviously the big noticeable ones are going to hit me. Um, but then even some of the less interesting, like the top, the top 10 are going to find me, but uh, you know, everything below that probably not going to be in my spectrum just cause I, you know, I don't have time to, to be in those groups. Plus I, I just really dislike the way most of the people act in there and talk. Uh, I find it, I find it gross. Johnny, we're all going to be rich. So do, do you actually, uh, you win any auctions, Johnny? I know you were, uh, you were bidding on a few, right? Uh, yeah, I won Mario 64. Finally. I'm uh, a champion. Oh, good job. Uh, yeah, I got it for a cool 1.5. Uh, I had to sell everything I owned, uh, but it's fine. Mortgage the house. I bid on Pitfall, which ended up going for $7,200, which I think is about four times what the highest one has ever sold for. And it was like in a like a 9.2 grade. So uh, uh, fuck that forever. I bid on a complete in box. Yeah. Bucky O'Hare. 8.5, which is really nice. I bid uh, $500, which really means $600. And it only went for $960, which is, that's something. Like, Bucky O'Hare has been on fucking fire lately. And during, like, literally the biggest yeah. video game auction of all time, sells for less than 1000 when I think on eBay, people want, like, 1300 for it. And this one was really nice. I was going to say, why didn't you, why I didn't you I buy just, that? You, I've got, like, other priorities. Been... Like, once, like even $1,000 for Bucky O'Hare. Like, I care about that game, like, 400-ish amount. So even bidding 500 is, like, really stretching it for me. Uh, uh, yeah. So right now, if you want a Bucky O'Hare on eBay, there's a factory-sealed one for $3,700. You should probably get that and put it on Heritage immediately, guys. Really? Um, That's... Yeah, seems crazy. There's a, well, there's a CIB one for for two thousand, 
And then um, there's a couple of we'll call it, we'll say close to complete ones in the uh, thousand dollar to thirteen hundred dollar range. All right, that's too much. <laughs> there's one for nine hundred or best offer that is uh, maybe just the box. I don't know. Nope, it's complete. Hey, that hey, this one's not bad. Nine hundred best offer. Offer them four hundred dollars for what? Bucky O'Hare. Yeah. No, I I've. I'm bidding on too much stuff that matters. Bucky O'Hare is just like a game I played in a game store one day, and I'm like, man, this game's fucking cool, but it's not like something I super need Here, from a historical Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Listen well, to me. Okay. There's there's one for $650. I don't care. Is it? It's not mint. I mean, I don't it's need it to be mint. It's nice. It's complete, and it's nice. All right, Johnny, we're doing, we're doing some buying on the, the Collector's Quest podcast. Yeah. Where, uh, where are you seeing that? The $650 one? All right, let's find out why you're wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm definitely wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, Is the front I sun like faded? To, uh, I think the front looks sun faded. Uh, the 650 one. I don't think it's sun faded. Oh, my God. This thing is so sun faded. You were out of your mind. Oh, my God. Look at the... No, uh, no it's good. Look at the it's, left side of the box. It's fucking wrecked. I can't, I can't see it. I can't see boxes. What are you talking I'm about? I'm blind to them. There, there's also just a box only for $400 that's got a rip in it, so you could get that. Fantastic. My problem hasn't been finding a Bucky O'Hare. It's been finding one that is, like, nice enough for me to want and at a market price, not, like, a pie-in-the-sky okay, price. Okay, so here's the Bucky O'Hare you should buy. It, the one that was on um, Heritage. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you missing should have bought the poster. that. You know what? It was missing the poster. I already have the poster, Johnny. I got it at PRGE for three Man, bucks. you should sell that to me since you're going to... Buy one with a poster in it. I will absolutely not. I'm looking for one without a poster. I can get it at a discount. No, you're going to find one with a poster. If I find it with a poster, I'll sell you my poster. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, There's an LCD version of Bucky O'Hare out there. It's sealed. It's $249. Seems like a great buy. Oh, it's one of these like little spaceship looking ones. I mean, that is pretty cool. Uh, But but really, we all know what you should buy, and it's the true first print. It's that Famicom version, and uh, I mean that that's might that, that's not on my like radar right now. But maybe one day because that that is an expensive Famicom game, but nowhere near as expensive it as is. the NES one. Yeah, but now cheaper than this. So they're asking three eighty on eBay, which means Yahoo auctions. You can probably get it for like three hundred. Sure, which is. I can, get, I can get a cooler Famicom game, I bet. I don't have Contra, and Contra on Famicom is the best version of Contra on any platform. Uh, I need to get that, Johnny. And it's uh, an entirely different game. Anyways. It's absolutely not. Um, just has better graphics. I, I had two more bids, Johnny. I'm going to disclose some bids. I bid 500 okay. on Conker's Pocket Tales. Uh, it's technically the first game For in the... the GBC? Yeah. So I had it as a kid. You bid on a Game Boy Color game? 100%. You bid on a Game Boy Color game? I thought game this was going to go. the shit you've given me about Game Boy Color? I thought this was going to go for like two grand because it's like kind of the first Conquer game. I th- he's like in Diddy Kong Racing first, but this is the first Conquer game. It went for like 600 bucks. Uh, that was another one that Ryan Main won. Like Ryan Main cleaning up all the stuff I thought were the best buys in the auction. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, my other bid, also Game Boy Color game, Mail Gear Solid. Uh, bid five hundred bucks on that because that's that's getting to like the the hundred fifty dollar range complete now, right? That legitimately one of the best Game Boy Color games ever made. That game is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's not like a shitty console port. It's like its own thing. It's stealth action. Yeah. Uh, you should buy that if you are game. sleeping like, on Metal like, Gear Solid, guys. Metal Gear Solid Game Boy Color is such a good game. 
that went for like a thousand. I was I was not gonna play a thousand dollars for a fucking game by color game. That's literally a game you should put in your collection. Yes, I, I know. I need to get on. Also, that. Conqueror Pocket Tales is like a pretty good one to have. I, that one's actually kind of cheap CIB, and I don't think I have it. So yeah. I, I might just spend like what seventy five dollars on that CIB. Yep. There's there's a few Game Boy Color games which like. Maybe maybe we should just do a, uh, a series where games we recommend buying on systems. Like maybe these ones. <laughs> if we were just going to buy games from a system that we that you aren't going to do a complete set on, like here's the here's the top ten games we would buy on the system. Sure. All right. Yeah. No, we were not going to do that. Um, that's just going to seem um, like a yeah, hype episode. Um, well, it's going to be a top eleven because you don't use top ten anymore, yeah, and we're going to put it on YouTube, and we're going to get all the clicks, we and we're going to call all of the games rares. <laughs> yes <laughs> we'll call it the the top 10 must have games on this thing that'll be how you get the clicks johnny oh what what don't i have that i must have yeah you must have these top 10 games sure there's games that are better and more expensive but these are the 10 that we picked for you because these are the ones we found in our 10 minutes of looking <laughs> so stay tuned youtubers because here they come that's my youtube voice how'd i do uh that's pretty good let's do that the whole episode from now on, for this episode, Johnny, we're going to do... I'm just going to cut this out. This is terrible. Um, nope. You, you got to keep, <laughs> you gotta keep, go keep it going. Johnny, I just wanted to point out that sometimes there are like some maybe sort of kind of decent deals on Heritage Auctions, like this Conker's Pocket Tales. So even in the world of $100,000 nonsense bullshit, maybe if you're a completely cheap-ass poor person, uh, you might be able to afford a game and it slips through the cracks a little bit. So you did that all wrong. I'm going to just give you a critique right okay. now. Like, I like I like where you were going. <laughs> you had some good ideas in there, but what, what, way too long. It should have just been this. In Heritage Auction, sometimes games go for thousands or even millions of dollars. <laughs> but for you cheapo pores, there's a few games that you could have grabbed. And here's our top five. <laughs> Johnny, <laughs> I'd like to move on uh, to... The real people. We're going back to the real world. Let's take it back. We're getting out of YouTube. Okay. We're getting out of whatever the fuck Heritage Auctions is. I don't know what the... Uh, just, oh my God. Let, all right, let's... Put me let's, back let, in I'm my safe space. I'm going back Heritage Auctions right now, Johnny. No, I want to go back to my safe space. Uh, so they know, like, fuck a pop report. Heritage Auctions knows how real this market is. Like, so there were multiple games that sold for over $100,000 and all this bullshit. It could have been literally two people buying every single one of those games, and Heritage would know that, and they would know, like, everything is, like, essentially fucking fake market manipulated. I mean, it, there's definitely market manipulation either way, but, or every single one of those could have gone to a different person, and they could have had, like, ten bidders on each thing. So, fuck a pop report. They know, like, how hot the market actually is, and they are the only ones, unless they share this information with WADA, they're the only ones that know that. They are the real Illuminati. Well, they definitely share their information with WADA mm. because they are colluding together to commit crimes that the FBI should be investigating right now. Uh, maybe coming up later in the episode, but yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I am, uh, I'm very jealous. I'm just like super curious, like, how big is this market? How fake is this market? What? Who's buying this shit? Who bought Mario? They know who bought Mario. They know if it's a real collector. They know if it's fucking Wall Street. They know if it's an investment company. They know if it's themselves. Like, they know all this shit. The Pop Report's gonna tell you shit, guys. It's gonna tell you, oh, buy everything panic. There's only five Burnout 3s on Xbox. Yeah, but we haven't graded enough of them, so who cares? Because we haven't got uh, through this whole giant backlog, so a pop report really doesn't tell us anything significant. <laughs> Statistics, Johnny, stop talking about real numbers and how they're used in the market to express value. 
I'm coming back out. We're, we're leaving. We're leaving Heritage Auctions behind. Thank God. We're leaving Wada behind. We're coming back. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go back to the created world at the end of the episode. How is this going to affect the real world video game market for people like you and me, Johnny? Um, it's not. All right, I don't. I disagree. All right, give me your argument not, for why it not, won't. No, it definitely is. Like, I think if you're a card only buyer, you're probably pretty much safe. Uh, I think if you're a CIB buyer, you might be in trouble because eventually sealed games will run out, especially ones that are interesting and say Nintendo on them. And uh, then they're just going to have to go to CIBs and CIBs are already, they're already not that easy to find anymore. There's like so many CIB games I expect to exist just aren't there when I go to look just for like sales data on them, not to buy, but just like, Oh, how are, how are these games doing right now? Cause maybe we're going to talk about it on the episode or it's in the series that I want to talk about. So I want to look, they're just not there. So I, um, I think it's definitely going to start trending people up, especially as more police, like as prices continue to increase, people are going to see this as a more legitimate investment and opportunity. And then they're going to have to start doing the mental gymnastics of, making CIBs okay and then pumping those. So yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think the market is going to keep climbing a little bit. Like we may not see all that expressed right now, but it's definitely, uh, you know, not long, long term, but longer term than, than short term. Uh, I think we're in some trouble. I disagree a little bit because I don't ever like the notion that sealed games are going to quote unquote run out because zero of these are going into permanent collections. I mean, some are, yeah. uh, but you know, these like a hundred thousand well, dollar nonsense I, I sales, really, like no one is buying Tomb Raider for a hundred thousand dollars. They're like putting that on the shelf. That's, that's the one no, I want. I, I'm like, I just cohorts are just going to start buying that stuff up. And I mean, either that or people will just move on. Like we've seen to selling sealed Xbox and switch games. And because that's easier and, and, you know, sealed, like if can, if people continue to believe sealed is where it's at and the age isn't of the game, isn't as important, then I think we'll see more of that. But I, I think if people determine, you know, that one, we need to hold on to these because we need to bank our investments longer. Right. Like if I was part of an investing cohort and what I would be doing is not selling all of my seal. I'd be trying to do as well as I could on sealed games right now, maybe selling a few here and there to finance more, but I would really want to be holding on to as much as I can to make the market think that there's not enough sealed to go around. Right. I would really be trying to contain that as much as I could because I would have simultaneously been moving into the CIB world. So then pushing a run on that. So then when, as I do trickle out, like high-end uh, sealed stuff, they go for like insane numbers, even even more insane than we're already doing. I mean, I already heard someone do that. Uh, I mean, like oh, a little they? offhand comment. Um, so there's someone I had not heard that. That's just like if I was a uh, if I was an evil investor type, and I like to rub my hands together and make money, which I don't like to do. Uh, clearly, as evidenced by my life, um, that's what I would be doing. No, I just uh, I just saw someone in a Discord I'm in. They are intentionally they have like a mint Ocarina of Time. They are intentionally not grading it so it doesn't get put on the pop report. And then in like five years or something, they're gonna just grade it and immediately send it, send it into Heritage to sell it because they don't want it to seem one copy more common than it already is. Side note, like Ocarina of Time, like fucking the most common sealed game of all time. But still, one less copy is one less copy. 
Yeah, I mean, but if you apply that thinking universally to sealed games, that's that's where it becomes a problem. So I I, I see this this crazy like nonsense market. Uh, like Tomb Raider is my perfect example, just because Tomb Raider is a worthless PlayStation game, and the copy that's sold isn't even in great shape. So one hundred forty four thousand dollars. I do the math in my head is seven thousand times what a complete in box Tomb Raider is. After this auction, I went on eBay. There's a bunch of like nice complete in box copies of Tomb Raider still going for twenty dollars. Like no one has taken notice. It hasn't rubber banded together somehow. So I I think people are just looking at these sales and they're just bewildered and confused and they're like, why this doesn't make sense? What's going on? Uh, money laundering, fraud, whatever they think is going on. So maybe that's why like there's no like immediate snap reaction because. In, like, the comic world or the card world, when you see, like, the PSA 10 rookie card sold for $300,000, then all of a sudden, oh, shit, I gotta buy a PSA 5, I gotta buy a PSA 6, and you see all those go up, and I didn't see that immediately happen here. So I do think no. there is a level of detachment. Yeah, I... I'm, we're talking longer term, right? Like, as... I, I don't... People have not sorted out what the hell just happened in this auction. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. You know, I don't know what's going on. I, I still think we're at the confused WTF stage of, of this. And I, I, I can see a future where the sealed prices just stop mattering. And like, it's like not even the same object as the CIB. That would be like, that's the ideal scenario that this doesn't affect the market. I think that's a very low chance, but it almost becomes like NFTs where it's not that this is this has value because it is the best version of this $20 item. It has value because, like, if we all band together and we really think about it, we could all just say, this thing has value and pump it up. And that's what NFTs did with art. Um, so maybe that's what happens with uh, this market and it doesn't affect CIB. Personally, in the past when seal games were like, you know, five times as expensive as a CIB and now they're 7,000 times as expensive as a CIB and there's more people trying to manipulate the market, like maybe someone buys 400 complete in box copies of Tomb Raider just to take them all off the market. So it looks like, you know, they're not on the market anymore. I th We're going to see more bullshit like that. And I think ultimately like the sum of all these factors is going to push up complete in box prices especially for the super popular stuff uh, super popular stuff being the stuff that's selling for all these crazy prices and i mean the way okay. i'm dealing with that is literally every time a game sells for like 100 grand i just go buy it and i started doing that uh with uh spider-man on the atari 2600 it sold for nine thousand dollars objectively out of control crazy price to pay for a video game and i'm like fuck this i'm buying a complete box one for 20 bucks because you know what the trick craft's not worth nine thousand to me but i want to have that game i'm all about the fomo if i can get something for one thousandth of the price that another version of the same thing sold for i'm in so if i didn't okay. have tomb raider i'd be going by tomb raider if i didn't have a complete box contra i go buy a complete box contra i i think that's actually like a a solid strategy yeah, uh, dude, if you guys, uh, man, you guys missed out on that Complete in Box Super Mario World, I think that's one of the hardest ones to get. I think Complete in Box Mario Bros. might be one of the harder ones to get just because black box prices have been crazy. And I actually don't have that. Maybe I need to go get uh, Complete in Box Mario Bros. for the NES. Yeah. Uh, but you, no, you absolutely you you don't need to get Snatcher own. or KO because those are just bullshit games for poor people. So don't worry about those. Yeah. Don't worry. Those, 
Well, you should wait till the next auction where you can get a nice sealed one for her as much as a CIB one. Sure. Yeah. That's what that auction just taught me. Don't buy Sega. Another thing I've noticed, Johnny, is uh, there's already like stupid people reacting. I'm sorry. Maybe there's a bidder and he's just like, he's learned he's trying to get his ropes something. There's a Call of Duty Finest Hour on eBay sealed from the box set. Does this sound familiar? It's going for $1,500. Oh, boy. The Call of Duty PS2 box set is sold by our friend Deal Tavern for $49 shipped. And you can buy one of the two games it comes with for $50 or for $1,500. It's exactly what happened with the GTA trilogy. Uh, even worse, to Call of Duty Finest Hour is not the first Call of Duty game. No, it's not it's, even. It doesn't ugh, make any stop sense. It. But if you are going to pay $1,000 for that game, don't pay for the one from the $50 box you could buy sealed. Guys, what is. There's. Oh, man. I mean, this just goes back into our, like, people, people don't do enough, like, even surface research. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I wonder, like,. I mean, that's, that's why there's a lot of opportunity in the market if you're trying to make money because there's a lot of people spending a lot of money who don't know what they're doing. And this this yes. Call of Duty thing, like, the people who need to hear that this is a dumb thing to buy are not listening to Collector's Quest. So no. I think, like, you could literally probably go buy 100 copies of this box set and send them to WADA, and it'll, it'll take you, like, nine months to get those all back. But I think in those nine months, you will still be able to sell them for a profit. So... Yep. I mean, even if you only profit on two of them, you've done it. Right? You made your money back. Oh, my God. Anyways. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I have nothing to add to that except heavy sigh and uh, head shake. So what else? What else do you want on this before we move on to our collector's question? Well, I think there's there's... We we could touch on more news, Johnny. CGC is is grading video games okay, now. Yeah, tell me the news. CGC yeah, that, is I grading mean, video games now. I'll say in the same woo. exact tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, just what we all yeah. wanted. Yeah, um, like because their times are so much better than the Wada, right? <laughs> because it only takes like a year to get a card back from them, and there's like if if Wada has had a backlog and needed to buy all of. Not buy, but obtain as many good graders as they possibly could. Then there should be a lot of good graders available for CGC to go get right now. Is that how the market works? Is that how supply and demand works for jobs? That's funny, Johnny. So they have put out job postings looking for qualified video game experts who the fuck is a qualified video game expert, John? Uh, I mean, like, and they, their list was, like, pretty stringent on what they thought was, qual- like, knowledge of, oh, video games, sealed. Like, it right. was like, you need to be a video game genius to come in. Like, you might need to have your own podcast about video I'm, games. Like, I'm not going to hype myself up, but, like, I could probably do it. I know, like, Josh Byerly could do it. Dan Gomez could do it. There's, like, this small group of people. Who are like yeah. really deep in the shit, not just like regurgitating what other people know about video games, like doing actual research. Uh, it, none of us are moving to Florida to work for CGC. Because Florida sucks. A hundred percent Florida sucks. Uh, <laughs> I WADA is the only legitimate grading service on the market. And the only reason that's the case is because of how much trust I have in Kenneth. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm not like a grading guy, but I know Kenneth fucking knows his shit. 
And I, you look at the WADA cases, like, we don't know everything, but we learn more information over time, and they've been updated. They're obviously looking at the Facebook groups. They're following Video Game Sage. They're looking at the research people are doing, and they're like, oh, shit, there's a new variant. Let's start putting that on our case. Someone could probably show me. Maybe they've graded a reseal in the past. I, I haven't seen a WADA graded reseal. Like, I mean, you could... People get really hung up on, like, like, oh, they've made these mistakes. It's like, if you look at every grading company that's ever graded anything, they've all made, like, their fair 100%. share of mistakes. Lots like, of mistakes. There will be- like, so holding it in isolation is stupid. They're like, they just use it to prove it. Like, Ugh. I'm like, okay, well, VGA has, you know, allowed people to cut open their boxes and, like, change out games and they're sealed because they don't have a good process. Also, they graded a bunch of shit wrong because they don't know what they're doing and they didn't put any information on it. But they didn't consider that wrong because they just said, we don't know, so we're not going to make any delineation, even though they should. I like, mean, Wada puts, like, wrong shit on their cases all the time. Like, their qual- quality control, like, needs to be fucking fixed. But Oh, but- so like, all of the... But th- that's what I'm saying. All these companies, every one of them, all the cards that are going out, there's problems across the board, and I think it's because demand, it goes back to what I was saying initially, there's so much demand right now, and not enough people doing these jobs, and not enough qualified people to do these jobs, that this will just continue to happen. Yeah, and the, the reason I'm, I'm pumping up WADA, like, earlier this year, there was a, a group of 100% fake Pokemon games that VGA graded. Not resealed, like, the box, the insert art, everything about them was just Chinese and completely off, and they still got graded in VGA. I haven't seen WADA fuck oh, up that but I bad. thought VGA was great, never made any mistakes. Only WADA is well, shit. when you point out VGA mistakes, people will say, well, every grading company makes mistakes, which they do. But anyway, who is qualified to work at CGC? I don't know. I'm very curious, because it looks like they're looking for someone with, like, public clout. And I'm I'm interested to see like who they could possibly get. Are they have they sent you an offer letter yet? I they've no, they've actually been talking to other people. Like I'm not I'm not like I'm clearly not in like the the sealed high end like crazy people room. And I think they're looking for someone in that space. But if you have the money to be spending like fifty grand on a video game, you're not gonna spend eight hours a day what? counting like rips on shrink wrap. <laughs> like yeah, killing like, your eyesight you, like no one's gonna <laughs> yeah. move to florida to work for what 60 grand like what is this what does a grader get paid yeah i don't know that and that's the other thing i'm saying there's there is like he, there's a big gap there on like one the desirability of this job the qualified people to do this job the location there's there's so many things that have to go right to get someone to be a grader and that's that's what I'm saying. There's just not enough. So CGC entering the market, like people are like, yes, finally, fuck WADA. And like, maybe fuck WADA. I don't know. I don't really care. Fuck VGA. Sure. I don't care about that either. But they're already spread pretty thin. This just gets it thinner. Or if it doesn't get it thinner, it gets it less qualified, which means more mistakes that people are already very upset about. So, oh, I mean, Johnny, I, don't, I don't love that. I... The, the gods gifted me something from the heavens. So investment grading services, the most fly-by-night grading service in the history of grading. That's not even true. There's even sketchier services than them. Uh, they posted, By the way, uh, I'm on their board now. Shut up, Johnny. They uh, No, <laughs> seriously. After I submitted uh, a mint sealed uh, Friday the 13th with... Uh, the foldover flap, they were uh, VHS guys. Um, you know, they were very impressed, wanted to see what else was in my collection. We talked a little bit. I showed them some rare Goonies variants, and uh, we're working something out. 
Johnny, they posted an totally ad on it. Shut the fuck up, Johnny. Your joke sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you, but you're laughing. I know, you know it's so bad. I've done my my job. My work here is done. IGS posted an ad on Instagram, and it was like, we're grading video games for $45. We're the fucking best. They had three video games in the ad. There were two Switch games. And then front and center is a resealed uh, Gran Turismo 3 in an IGS case. I Johnny, I am not a sealed game expert, but I look at it and I'm like, Gran Turismo 3 came out in 2001? I know that the Sony security seals on PS2 games, they were there till 2006. So this game had a security seal throughout its life, throughout its greatest hits life, and then Gran Turismo 4 had one too. So there should not be a Gran Turismo 3 that doesn't have a security seal. But IGS, the world's leading experts who can grade VHS tapes, which don't have a system as absolutely dead simple and easy to spot as a PS2 seal. They're going to authenticate your VHS tapes, which is just the absolute Wild West. IGS is a fucking scam, Johnny, and I love it. It's just, oh my God. I I, <laughs> I do love the huge balls that IGS has. I, I'm following them on Instagram because I want to see what's happening in the crazy VHS market because I hate VHS tapes so much. Uh, but I can understand why there would be a nostalgic appeal for them. So I, I, I'm watching. I'm watching with bated breath to see how they do on games. Uh, I, I love. So you could. I found the. I didn't find it. Someone uh, on Discord I was talking to found it. You could go to eBay uh, completed listings and find this actual Gran Turismo 3. So the seller who had it, I don't know if he's the nefarious one, but he thought it was legitimately sealed. He had another resealed game too. And sold it, so he didn't know it was sealed. The buyer bought it, and he didn't know it was resealed. He sent it to investment grading. They didn't know it was resealed. And then investment grading happened to take this particular game and post it front and center in one of their ads. Just the chances of this happening exactly like this, it's just beautiful. It's just it's poetry uh, to it's, me. It's not low. Oh, my it's God. It's not low. That's, that's <laughs> the state of where we are. That's what I'm talking about, about qualified graders and people who know their shit. This is an illustration of a company who decided they were just going to do it, and these are the results. So this is why I'm worried about everything else. All right, Johnny. Um, also, Dennis way, sold out to uh, Collector's University. to hear that? Yeah, but I really <laughs> want to just remind our audience that if you seal, see a sealed VHS tape, uh, it's not anyone like, like learn from what happened with video games. You're going to want your Disney titles and your horror movies. Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, to make sure you're getting those. Any of the big nostalgia classics, these are the ones that are going to sell. Also, like weird gatefold boxes and uh, clamshells are kind of uh, of high interest right now. So, you know, these are what you should be looking at for at your garage sale hunting. I, uh, I've i got a sealed Waterworld, Johnny. I actually got it as a wedding gift from my college roommate. I, I, I know that. <laughs> so, like, Dude, in the back of my mind, I'm like, should, should I just send this to get graded as, like, a joke, as part you of the should. thing? But Absolutely. at the same time, I look at this ad, and it's like, I just obviously has no idea what they're fucking doing. So what's you the point of getting do. this authenticated in this oh, funny case? Because what, <laughs> what an excellent showpiece. What a funny thing to do. Tyler, it's worth it for the lulls. Please send in your Waterworld. I, I'm absolutely not. So uh, what, there was another one of these uh, companies, video game graders. Um, I was thinking about getting something graded for like a retro gem miner video as a joke. And I look at the prices like 
the fly-by-night company prizes would cost like $70 to get a game created. It's like, fuck that. Like, I'm not spending $70 on a retro gem miner joke. Okay, well, you got to send in Waterworld because it's like $45. Please send in Waterworld. What? <laughs> I could probably go on Amazon and get Waterworld cheaper than that. Also, it's probably not the first print, whatever the fuck the first print of Waterworld is. Who cares? Just get it graded. I want to know how nice yours is. Uh, mine's pretty nice. Oh, wait, you can actually go... <gasps> Waterworld, the Collector's Choice Edition, is on Amazon. You can get it for two eighty three, Johnny. Waterworld, uh, not a se- not a rare sealed VHS tape, according to Amazon. Uh, yeah, because no one watched that god-awful movie. Um, I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> Do you think they, have, they accept drop shipping? Can we just buy from Amazon, ship directly to IGS, and then put our games directly onto eBay and become rich? Uh, Johnny, this is funny. Do you know about the IGS address? I, uh, you mean the guy's home in Los Angeles? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, IGS, uh, their business headquarters is some guy's house. So when you ship your games, you're shipping it to, uh, some guy's house. And, uh, he has strategically blocked out his house on Google Street View. So you cannot actually see his house. But if you zoom out to the satellite view and, you know, look at the neighborhood around it, it's like, oh, it's just some guy's fucking house. Super legit company. They definitely have like a team of expert graders who knows all these different formats of media and all these different nuances of VHS collecting. It's one. Uh, it's it's one man operation. It's like a dude in his hundred percent. He sells his own graded things and like in the eBay descriptions, he like pretends that like oh yeah. I, I, this got an eight, but I really think it's more of an eight point five. Like, dude, you graded this yourself. What are you talking about, Mister Thirty Thousand Fake Instagram Followers Guy? All of this, of course, is allegedly. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I love IGS. What a, Should co- we do a super nice house, Johnny. That guy has like a $2 million house. You guys in, in California are crazy because that, that house does not look like a $2 million house. It's just like a house in the suburbs. But yeah, uh, man, that, that Zestimate. California. Um, should we have him on and maybe do a collector's quest special uh, edition with him? Yeah, we, could, uh, we could ask him all about his expertise and where he thinks the market for VHS is going. Guys, VHS is only going up. Uh, a category of collectible that no one no one even thought existed until four months no, ago. I mean, people, <laughs> that, you, you say that, but like when I did the last episode, last and first and only episode with uh, Carly uh, about Harry Potter books, like, and I said, hey, tell me other episodes you want to see. I got a F ton of like requests for VHS. All right, Johnny, I want to, uh, all right. Projectors quest. We're going to watch a movie. There's a, there's a VHS collecting documentary. I think we both need to watch it. And I want to count how many sealed Friday the 13th and nightmare on Elm street. They have compared to like rare, obscure movies that never hit DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. I mean, but a lot of those rare, obscure movies that like never hit DVD and stuff. A lot of times they are horror movies. So like uh, a lot yeah. of the collecting is like. But in do you the think that realm. the collectors also have like, oh man, we got the sealed first print of Friday the Thirteenth? No, I. It's like I think because mainstream movies, so many were made. Like I think they like have weird cult movies and then like nice mainstream movies. Right, well, we'll see. We'll have to watch because I honestly don't know. All like right. I mean, there's this new breed of VHS collector who's obviously going after that stuff. But I want to know what like the okay. OG VHS collectors. I'm, are I'm willing. I'm willing to watch it. And uh, we can do a projector's quest in After Dark for the peoples. You know, I I bet VHS collectors have a lot in common with us because they're over here. They're getting like 
they're super obscure, like crazy horror movies no one's ever fucking heard of. And like, that's probably like their Nintendo World Championships. And then people are like, oh, God, it sealed Jurassic Park. This is the this is the thing. This is the grail. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, the fuck is going on? It's Jurassic Park. Everyone yeah, they're like, Jurassic Batman Park. 89? <laughs> Why are you grading Batman 89? Everybody has that, but everyone loves oh. it. So, yeah, no, I, I bet they I bet they are in the same world we are. I mean, and obviously they are, because what do they enjoy? Fucking outdated media uh, that is hard to use now. It's hard to use, and like traditionally, like completely worthless because who the fuck wants an NES tape? Yep. Uh, uh, well, the world crazy has now turned obsolete bullshit that belongs in dumpsters into uh, collecting pieces worth millions of dollars. Hooray! We've done it. We've done it, world. We've succeeded. Shout out uh, to my VHS fam out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I had a long running joke with a bunch of my friends when they would show me a VCR, I would pretend I did not know what it was called and we would call it a vicar. I'm like, what is a vicar? I don't, (laughs) I I just, this long running joke, if you showed me a VHS tape of like, I had a friend for a while who still had uh, a stupid VHS player in their house and it was like still a clock. And they're like, I would ask them like, what time it is? And I just look at the clock and I'll be like, I don't. I can't see it. I don't know what you mean. Um, yeah, it was, well, I have a, a bunch of long-standing jokes. I make dumb jokes with people, and I just will play them out forever. I have one friend I continually tell I've never seen Groundhog's Day to, and I've been telling him this for 15 years. Every time Groundhog's Day comes up, I say, I'm like, I heard it's good. I've never seen it. I just continue to do that. I, I like a, wrong, a long-running bit. So, uh, yeah, that's... Doesn't matter anyway. Just let's like, move on to collector's oh, questions. Or let's do you want to talk it. about? I'm already uh, there. What's up? Uh, oh, All right. hold on. I thought you wanted to talk about how Dennis sold out. Oh, Dennis sold out to Collector's Universe. Like all this shit happened. So what did CGC get bought by like Jay Z Blackstone's collecting yeah, company? He, everything happened all this week. So like everything happened. Like oh my god, is collectible grading collectibles is on fire. Like also collectibles is on fire. Spoiler alert, guys, if you, the people who are going to make like the mega mega bucks are the people investing in the companies selling to you, the people yeah. who are getting $170 to grade a complete in box copy of Bucky O'Hare, they yeah. are the winners. If, if we were smarter, we would have bought into one of those companies and then not the games. We would have just been sending all of our money uh, to them uh, to own pieces instead so, of buying games. So... I, I misunderstood this at first. So the the Blackstone bought CGC. That was one sale. And then Collector's Universe, different company, bought WADA games. So Collector's Universe uh, owns PSA. So WADA and PSA are now under the same umbrella. The company that bought CGC is just like some Wall Street investing thing, I think. Okay. Um, does okay. this matter? I don't know. More probably it's, it's to someone it legitimizes these games as if these crazy sales weren't already doing that. Um, maybe there's better quality control on WADA, whatever. I don't think this is affecting the market nearly as much as the crazy headline prices. I don't think so either. Congratulations to Dennis for making a business. And in three, three years, he got purchased by like the biggest collectibles umbrella company that's out there. Like fucking you did it, Dennis. You're the fucking best. Way to go. Congrats. You don't listen to the show, so whatever. But I mean, for everything you think about water, that guy uh, that guy built a fucking business. Yeah, uh, did it. I hope they all got paid very well. All right. 
moving on, let's talk about the uh, collector's question. What is it? Lord Hardstyle Z asks, here's a question. I haven't read this question. I mean, yet also either, so Lady it could be Hardstyle. Terrible. Also. And, and, and his wife or girlfriend, Lady Hardstyle. Uh, I've heard. They're married. All right. <laughs> I've heard plenty about how RPGs are great at retaining value over time and why they do. I'm curious if fighting games are also good at retaining value over time. I know there are plenty of fighting game communities that will continue to play a game no matter how old it is. Melee is a great example. So do fighting games retain their value over time? Why or why not do you think? Okay. You want me to go first or do you want to go first? Absolutely, Gianni. Yeah, I think fighting games are definitely... I, I think there's category games that always kind of retain value. Maybe not as much as, say, RPGs. Um, I don't know how wide the market is, but yes. Uh, like shmups, RPGs, fighters, games that have continual replay appeal uh, and people want to put on their shelves and demonstrate like, look, I have this collection of fighting games, even if they're good or bad. So I, I think that's part of the reason. One is like you want to show off your collection of them. You collect it as a, it's very much a subset that people attach to. Uh, they're also highly playable, which means that you're not just going to have collectors. We've got that very underserved <laughs> portion of, uh, you know, people who used to not be glumped in with collectors who were just the players, right? The, you know, they were more game player than collector. Now they just kind of get thrown into our umbrella because the investor thing has happened. But uh, anyways, it has a, a high amount of people who just play into those games, which then mean that even if they're not collected by shelf collectors, they're still being bought by people. So they stay in people's homes longer than they, than they, you know, they're just not getting into the market as often. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, it, the games have a bunch of brand loyalty so maybe not all fighters but people there are people who are very much just into street fighter there's very much people who are just into primal rage even though that's very weird and upsetting to me and you know definitely the mortal Kombat people so uh you know and then there's like, like that one guy who's a killer instinct guy like stefan who has an arcade machine in his house but like i'm saying it builds those type of people who are dedicated to a franchise so it has that appeal as well and like they're long running and numbered platforms so you can like again for your collection you get to show a bunch of them so uh, i think it on multiple fronts it has people who are interested in them and thus makes them uh you know retain retain value and interest in the collecting community Sure. I think there's also, so, I mean, I don't have data. We'd be able to answer this question no. much better with data, but just going off how, how I feel about fighting games, which is a genre that I'm, I'm not into just because it's a very skill-based genre of a skill I don't want to build. One, a fighting game from any platform probably holds up, uh, cause it's 2d and people want the games to hold up. When I think of Xbox 360, I think of a bunch of games that run at 30 FPS and look like garbage, but I think of like blaze blue and it's like, oh, that game's 2D. It's got amazing art. Very playable game, no matter how far we go out into the future. Uh, it's also relatively niche. Like, Street Fighter 2, obviously, on SNES is the most common game on planet Earth. But when you get into the later generations, you only have that hardcore fighting game community buying these games. So they are rarer than something like, you know, Ratchet & Clank or whatever. And then the final thing I would say is that the skill ceiling on a fighting game is extremely high. And so the the niche that does play these tends to play them over and over and invests a lot into each individual fighting game, which isn't something that happens with like Sonic 2. People will play like Sonic 2, they'll get their nostalgia fix out of it, maybe play it once in a while, 
Uh, the people who play fighting games are like, let's play some Marvel vs. Capcom 2. This is the game I play for hundreds of hours. And when you have a game like that that you're so invested in, paying $150 for a complete box copy of that, I, I, I'm assuming there's a copy of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 out there that's worth $150. Because that, that was a hot game before games were even like getting hot in 2012-ish. Well, yeah, I mean, lots of fighters were expensive. Same reason with RPGs, right? Like you were saying, that time investment people have, like, Absolutely. one, I'm going to I'm gonna spend hours doing this, so spending $100 on an RPG, I'm going to put it 100 hours into, seems like an incredible value. Same with fighting games. So that's a really good point to bring up. I'm sorry, yep. keep going. No, and then, so the high skill ceiling, and then just, uh, you can play it in really short bursts, and I think there are a lot of collectors who have thousands of games, and it's part of the reason I think that people you know, being overwhelmed as an adult and all this shit is why they value things like shoot 'em ups and fighters. Cause you can play them in really short bursts. Yes, so yeah, I absolutely. think, yeah, fighting games, definitely a genre that will retain value over time. I don't know if they'll retain value as much as shooters and RPGs, which I would say are probably the most timeless genres. Yeah. I would but, uh, like definitely. rate it as a tier below those, but yeah. like still in a tier, you know, you know, yeah, definitely not, not, uh, not on the list. It, it's a thing like, uh, a first-person shooter like Call of Duty Black Ops 2, the latest modern warfare is probably better than Call of Duty Black Ops 2. There's someone who knows all the nuances of first-person shooters who's going to tell me, like, well, actually, when you look at the gun selection in Call of Duty Black Ops 2, like, okay, but all the technology, everything about modern warfare feels fucking awesome. And I know you play Call of Duty, so you can agree with me, probably. Yeah. Whereas most people would play a modern fighting game and be like, yeah, but, like, we could also just play Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Because right. it still holds up after, you know, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, also, I don't, I think the fighter market is, as you said, a little more niche. So maybe less copies are produced. And not like your Street Fighter 4s, but like some of them are like more niche games. So I like if there just aren't as many copies available, you know, they, then it holds like some of that rarity appeal, gets some of that collector thirst on. Whereas a Call of Duty, they're just going to batch print a billion of them. And, uh, you know, they're just going to be everywhere. Well, I mean, and, of course, yeah. And then also, uh, a lot of fighting games have, like, anime art style. It just appeals to weebs. Just got to get that weeb market. True. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Good question. All right. Uh, yeah, that, that's enough questions, because that was a long question, Johnny. Okay. We're done? One, only one this time? All right, All right fine. We're doing two. Oh, we'll okay. Find another. We're, we're in, you're right. We're in, like, June. So we're, we're about a month and a half behind. Let's see if we can find some more questions. Okay. Am I, am I skipping any questions? Don't worry. Like, when this month comes along and we get there, we're going to be able to skip it. Uh, all the ones that ask us what the hell happened with this Mario sale. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, Benny G asks Johnny specifically. Thanks, Benny. Oh, no. I have a slight memory of earlier in the podcast where you said that you used to cut off hang tabs of expensive Genesis games and send the videos to haters... Has your philosophy changed on hang tabs? How do you feel about your past actions? Would you do the same to NES hang tabs? Hashtag not all hang tabs. Oh, okay. So let me go over this real quick. The video was called The Hang Up with Hang Tabs. It's on my YouTube. You can still find it under uh, Johnny Ayuchi if you just search me on YouTube. It's not a great YouTube channel, so I'm not like really... You don't need to spend a lot of time there, but if you want that video, uh, yeah. 
The reason I did it to uh, some Master System games and some Genesis games is because the cases, you can find replacements for those cases, but a lot of Genesis collectors, and it was a lot of Sega 16 people, and uh, not so much Sega Age people, but Sega, they were like really upset about all these hang tabs that were busted off, and games were selling for like 20 or $30 more because they had a hang tab, but it was literally, you could just switch the box so easily, like that box, like, yes, there are different box types on Genesis and, and the Master System, so you gotta make sure you get the right one, but there there was, especially back then, in 2010 or whenever I did that, there was a plethora of them. It was not hard to find. Uh, so yeah, I did that to upset people and it did it, it got the reaction I wanted. Um, it was also, I also did a blog post about it back on, uh, when game over Johnny was still a blog. It still exists if you want to look for it. Uh, but yeah, has my philosophy changed? No, uh, well, it Genesis cases. One, people don't care about Sega, um, except unless you cut off a hang tab Two. <laughs> <laughs> you could still just go find a replacement case. The hang, the hang tabs aren't, they aren't the important thing. That case is a generic plastic case. The other stuff is the important stuff. Being hung up on a dumb plastic tab like that, that isn't, you know, it's not ornate to that, not ornate. Wow, I'm missing the word. But it is not intrinsic to that game or to an individual piece of that. It does not matter. If it broke off of my game, if my Musha hang tab broke off, I wouldn't be like, fuck, this Musha <laughs> is ruined. Look at it, it is garbage. I wouldn't do that because it doesn't. I would just, if I really cared, I would replace it. No big deal. And like, I wouldn't feel like my value suddenly fell out because the hang tab was busted. Like, that's just, that's just a ridiculous line of logic to me, uh, especially if it's something you can fix pretty easily would i do that to a nintendo hang tab god no do you know why because it is intrinsic it is a piece of the box it is the thing you know it is part of it like if you cut it you damage the whole box and you can't just replace that box it's it's not the same thing there you go that's my answer sure i i, I hate that the hang tabs exist i'm not cutting them off like a maniac no they <laughs> um, are in the way though that what a pain I, in the ass they're so terrible like genesis games you either have to have like two inches more clearance than you think you need to put them on a shelf or just like they they always like hit the shelf a little bit and it's like oh i kind of squeeze it in there and if you're like trying to maximize your space you're like oh if i bring my shelves down i could squeeze the hang tabs down a little bit but then all my games are like a little bit hard to take off the shelf yep i hate them so much it, it is the absolute worst like people like we say oh yeah genesis cases are the best you know i've come around on that i hate genesis cases i hate them I hate the, what they do to manuals. Yeah. I hate how they fuck up the inserts. Just everything about a Genesis case is terrible. I'm I'm super against them now. Yep, I I pretty much agree with you. Yep. Um, all the Sega's cases throughout history have been kind of bad until like just Dreamcast. You're just like, okay, jewel cases. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> just they're all bad and stupid. Like that's why I don't like I don't like any of the DVD cases. You know, that just all that the whole folding. You just get like, especially with the recycled things punch out you can just get Dude, wavy inserts and stuff it. it's awful. I'm out yeah hate it hate it so yeah i like weird i just wish everything was a jewel case sure you know and, like and then if that was more prominent then i would get collectors like i would have box protectors for all my jewel cases oh, which like thinking size Ooh. just nice. the idea the the thought of having to put all of my my PlayStation One collection into jewel case protectors makes me want to die. 
No, you could do, John. You can uh, you can get uh, little one cent baggies and put them all. No, the baggies will be like nice that. and sharp. You touch them and like cuts up your hands. Ooh, feels so nice. Uh, <laughs> don't they look so god awful? They absolutely do. All right, that is our collector's questions. Let's move on to the end of the show, Johnny. What are Oof. you buying and what are you playing? Well, I went first on the last one. You tell me, what'd you buy? I I got a bunch of good stuff that no one cares about, Johnny. Okay. I got a 1983 copyright date first release of King's Quest for the IBM PC Jr. Uh, I would have to guess that I paid an all-time record price for this on eBay. But I don't know. Maybe maybe there's crazy people out there. I paid $400 for this. Um, this I do not believe this game has traditionally gone for $400. But at this point, I'm just like, if there's something I absolutely need in my collection, uh, I needed to pay out for it. Okay. Uh, so this the the original print run of this has a a 1983 copyright date on the back, and more importantly, it comes with a full sized IBM PC Junior keyboard overlay. Later releases, uh, they only come with a little like a little cardboard strip that goes over the top of your keyboard rather than one that goes over your entire keyboard. Um, King's Quest, if you don't know, obviously just super history in the super important in the history of graphical adventure games. It's like. Mystery House, King's Quest, Secret of Monkey Island, Mist is probably the progression there. So uh I'm 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 really excited about that, John. I really want a Mystery House. <laughs> I really want a Mystery House too. Good luck. Like my hope, uh, so I the StarCraft, StarCraft is a Japanese company that put out uh releases of American games on Japanese computers. So the the mystery house in Japan should theoretically be a lot cheaper than the American versions because it is Japanese because it's not at all like the original rare thing. I say rare thing like mystery house wasn't a bad seller. I'm surprised at how little they come up, but God damn it. Let's go get mystery houses, Johnny. I, I want to like, there's only that one dumbass floppy disc online on eBay. Don't, anyways. don't buy a loose floppy. You'll, I'm not you'll hate buying a, I'm not, I know you're that. not. <laughs> I got, uh, John Madden football for the Apple II, which is oh. the original Madden game. This is uh, totally flopped on Instagram. Holy shit. No one cares about this game. Yeah. I didn't even see that. The algorithm refused to show it to me. I didn't even see yeah, it. No, no one cares. Um, I found a, there's it's not like the rarest game in the world, but every time one comes up, it's like, oh, the code wheel is detached or there's like an offensive and a defensive playbook. And it'd be like, oh, the defensive playbook is missing. And obviously I'd never be able to find that. And this is the first one that came up in uh, a while. It was really 100% complete. Uh, so I'm pretty happy to snap that up. Obviously, I paid more than I would have if I just bought like two copies two years ago. But what am I going to do, Johnny? Got to get stuff. Uh, Johnny, I bought Minecraft, the first release. Minecraft Xbox 360 edition uh, for $18 because I'm doing the thing where it's like, well, if the game sells for a shitload of money, I'm just going to go get that complete in box and just be like, well, I got it. <laughs> Congratulations on your your investment. Uh, on the same line, Johnny, I bought one of the Call of Duty Legacy Collection box sets because I do think that uh, PlayStation box sets are kind of cool. And 100%, this is going to be one of those things that people, quote unquote, like, find out. It's like the ultimate investing opportunity. And these are going to be like $100 in six months. Guarantee it. No matter how many are available. Because the same thing happened with the, the GTA trilogy. Like, one of the most common aftermarket new old stock things available, but now they're like $70 when they used to be 30 So I'm just getting that out of the way. Whatever. Uh, uh, all right. I got two things. I think you're actually going to like my last two things. Okay. I got a Legend of Zelda Wind Waker for rental use only case Ooh. in a blockbuster case. Yeah. That's I didn't know one. this existed. It's so goddamn cool, Johnny. It's a rare Zelda variant. 
I didn't know it existed at all. And it's GameCube money. GameCube? Uh, I paid like $80 for this. I don't even know what a Wind Waker cost, but it was like a little more than like a regular ass copy of Wind Waker. Um, yeah, nice and it came in a blockbuster case with like a little blockbuster sticker on it that says like, ah, this is Wind Waker. Buy it for $16, idiot. And you told me that there might be another for rental use GameCube game? I Because I'm in. Dude, I can't, this is I a can't cool remember. Game. I thought I had another one, but I, I may have been confusing it with uh, the other Zelda, um, Four Swords. Okay. All right, Dan Gomez, uh, tell me about cool modern GameCube rental variants. You're the rental well, variant. No, man. no. Like who I would ask on that one as I would talk to Nintendo, uh, Twizzer, Twizzer, Aaron, right. whatever is. Like, that's why I can't handle people's fake names. Just Aaron. <laughs> Go ask Aaron. Aaron, send me a message on more GameCube games I need to buy. Okay. Uh, well, not I don't know if he actually listened to the show, but you could definitely message him on uh. Facebook or Instagram. We just have to assume everyone listens to the show. We're we're popular influencers, Johnny. We, we aren't. Uh, like we can't get thirty thousand people to watch us. Uh, just click bid on on shit. Like we should. We're doing it wrong. I. It is fascinating. So like, you're talking about Montana Black. To be clear, he's got like Instagram accounts with thousands of followers where he just sells VGA games to German people because all this is German language. There's like this entire German world of graded games that is like. We just completely don't know about. It's crazy. And it's all American games, too. They're not buying the German versions of games. It's all like the ESRB games. What? What? If you live in Germany, what would compel you to buy American games? I would either buy German games or Japanese games. Well, that's... Uh, American games? American uh, games are very popular. Is, still, uh, I Amer know. American games are very popular in Europe. Like, uh, it's weird that one of the, like, the most desired prints are the ones that go to Scandinavian countries, but also have English language on the front. Like it's, you know, uh, we can talk about right or wrong of it, but you know, English is, uh, is a world language ish, you know, especially through Europe. It just gets taught, you know, in, in multiple countries, whether that's right or wrong, like I'm not going to get into, but, um, you know, kids are forced to learn it all around the world. And, uh, you know, so that makes, that like kind of unifies games, especially when they're going to be like, Oh, I can, you know, like all, um, we get a lot of the games here. Japan gets a lot of games too, but you know, not that many people speak Japanese. I mean, yeah. And he's selling these games. So yeah. if you're selling them, you probably want the American version. Cause that's the one with the most demand. Yep. Johnny, you're going to be excited about the last one I got. Okay. It was a save search. Um, I've been Ooh. looking for, it's not the nicest copy, but I've been looking for this for a while and I got a save search hit at $49, which is fine. Price I want to pay. New old stock, ColecoVision, Smurf, Rescue, and Gargamel's Castle. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm jealous. Damn it. Uh, oh, you know, that's one of the few I want. Keep looking for me. Keep your safe search. Just just keep it up. All right. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's just an early platformer for ColecoVision. Like, I don't even know. Like, it's just a fun game. That's a 1982. I, I, I played that uh, game a lot as a kid. I liked it. Like, I, I remember I was in the third grade, and I would go to this kid's house. He had, like, he didn't have uh, a Nintendo, but they had Atari, and we played uh, Missile Command and Smurfs. It's like... Uh, did this come out before Pitfall? Like, this is not obviously not as popular or influential as Pitfall, but I know it is, like, a very early flip-screen platformer game. Uh, I just want to have it. I, I love platformers so much. I want all the history of platformers. 
Uh, kind of sucks that the most important platform of all time is Super Mario Brothers. Uh, so I could, it would be cool to have a matchstick or one of those, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, those, that's what I bought, Johnny. I'm, I'm pretty happy with all my purchases there. A lot that's of stuff. pretty good. Yeah. I've been playing, uh, I started playing Shantae. Uh, you know what? All right. I'm playing Shantae. I've only, I played like a couple levels here. Uh, cool game. Um, great character design, lots of personality, uh, scantiest clad ladies on Game Boy Color, period. Probably the scantiest, cl- scant- most scantily clad ladies on handheld platforms in general. Like Shantae's top. Vita? No, no. J- count the pixels, Johnny. Shantae's top is four pixels. It is two pixels for each boot. I'm just saying, like... She is the d- scantily clad No, I'm just saying, like, pixels. some of those romance novels or whatever... Um, I mean, I don't know what Lurst Love Addiction is. Like, if there's actual nudity in those, then, all right, you can't beat Shantae. Um, Shantae, kind of not a great game to play. I'm not, not, not in terms of the gameplay. So I bought it on 3DS, which as far as I know is the only place to buy it right now. It's only five bucks. The A and B buttons are like in the wrong direction. Like they go kind of diagonally up and right. So it's like you can't rest your thumb over both of them. And it's a game where you hold B to run and you can't change the button layout. It's like, well, ah, fuck this. So I go to an emulator and I try like three different emulators and all of them have like slight little emulation problems with Shantae. And I think it's because it's like one of these Game Boy Color games that's been enhanced for GBA. Uh, but I can't get any of the emulators to play it perfectly. And I'm like, oh, this kind of sucks. So I'm, I'm just going to play it on the 3DS because that's the one that runs it the best. Uh, but this like weird PS5 or PS4 release that Limited Run Games is doing, I think it's actually valuable. Having a version of Shantae on a console that's easy to run and like HD on a TV, I think that is a valuable thing. I no longer think it is completely crazy that they're releasing that. This game clearly needs better distribution than the 3DS version that you can't change the controls. Well, I mean, you know, I've been a proponent of like having the ability to play things on modern TV. Like, you know, I don't want to jump through all the hoops in the world to like play games. I hate that. Like, I really believe that, you know, remasters, like you're against remasters and stuff, but I like really think more like the way we remaster DVDs into Blu-rays. I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with giving, uh, making old games accessible. Also, I, you know, as someone who would like people to be able to play more of the old games, I think that would be, you know, a generally a good step to take. Sure. Um, usually my argument would be like, well, I mean, like, fuck it. If it's a Super Nintendo game, you could just emulate it and everything is is perfect. And it's so easy. Like, this is obviously a gray area. Not a, not a gray area. This is a black area because Shate is objectively still for sale for money. So go buy Shantae, even if you were going to run it in an emulator. Um, but like, it's, it's weird. Cause there, I don't think there's like a great way to play it. Like even like on game boy color, like fine, but guess what? Playing a game boy color fucking sucks balls. So, uh, like game boy play. I don't know. It's good that they're, they're re-releasing this Johnny and I hate re-releases. So it, that means something coming from me. Okay. What have you been uh, buying and playing? Okay. Um, let's see. What did I buy? Uh, not not a whole lot. I, I just got in. Uh, you're going to be very excited about this. I love to do this on the podcast. Uh, some Harry Potter games from overseas. I got some. No way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so just some British, like uh, the Lego games. I, I wanted this, like the weird special edition Lego ones, because that's actually my favorite Harry Potter game. 
So I got some of those. I got one from UK and one of the Scandinavian ones with English language. Just kind of compare what their special editions look like compared to ours. So I got a few of those. I got that the, the Mickey game that um, that that yeah. showed up. So Mickey's you don't even Adventure. know what it's called. What's it called? Jim? I think it's Mickey's Adventure. It's it's Mickey Mania. I forget what it's called, yeah. um, but it's it's Mickey Mania, but on the PlayStation. And then something with a name that does not convey how satanic the cover is. Yeah, is absolutely. Uh, like, yeah, it's like Mickey's manic ride is what it looks like. Um, yeah. Just he looks like he is on PCP. So it's great. Love the cover of that game. And uh, I got Ghoul, uh, Ghoul Panic. So the with the gun, the gun came. So all that showed up. So hooray. And then I got a box of, hey, coffee with Mr. Saturn. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, I bought GBA games from him. So I got a box of some really, really exciting GBA games. Whoa. What yeah. was the best one, Johnny? B game. B, Whoa, B game. Is you got the, the B game for GBA? Yeah, I did. Whoa. Oof. The B Damn. game. Wow. Yeah. I mean, don't No get, one has that. Don't get too excited. There's also uh, another rare one. Uh Jimmy Neutron versus Jimmy Negatron. Hard to find. That 100% that was going to be my second guess or my next guess for what the rarest game in there was. Yeah. Um, don't, let's not sleep on uh, Metabots. There's a rare Metabots I got. Whatever. Monster. That sounds like a Pokemon ripoff. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, th- there's just a lot of dumbass shit in there. Uh, there are some other. There's like a Worms game in there. No, the, like a- saying it's dumbass shit is overselling it like it's all children's games and sports games and it's like an 800 dollars box of games it literally looks like garbage you found on the side of the road and it's like a bunch of interesting gba games yeah there's a lego bionicle in there it's actually just called bionicle but great whatever uh yeah i hear gen z is way into bionicle like it's a thing yeah so bionicle is the worst that's a gem Ugh, bionicle so yucky custom like molded legos fuck it i want all my legos to look super bricky i don't want like yeah that defeats the purpose of lego if you make a little shield that just looks like a like a face i, I want them to yeah, be I built out of legos don't like do not want um yeah so that's what i got uh what i'm playing um okay did i get to play any mass effect no i didn't get to play any mass effect since we last talked i did try running steam link uh because i wanted to test out if uh, I was told by uh, Tiger Wolf, I think Ta- Tiger Wolf or Clarivus or Daddy Mulk, one of them told me go get Steam Wolf. I'm pretty sure it was Tiger Wolf um, that I could run Steam games on my Apple TV and use an Xbox controller. So I, I decided yeah. to try that uh, just to see if it would be any good, like if it was laggy or or weird. But it actually runs pretty well, especially since I'm only running like a Final Fantasy game. Though the Pixel remasters have not hit yet. Uh, there was the old version of uh, Final Fantasy VI, which I think is just the mobile version, but there's like a lot of mods that you can return it back to, uh, which I think will actually be my preference to the Pixel remaster only because all the extra quantity is um, not there. Like all the extra games and stuff that were supposed to, not games, like extra dungeons and extra material. The bonus material is said to not be in any of the Pixel remasters, which is upsetting. Oh, no. There's still not like a good copy of like Final Fantasy one is the one I want to play the most because that's the game I like to just mindlessly just like level up and do all the stuff on uh, because it takes like no mental energy. I can literally play it one handed and not think while I do it. But uh, 
Yeah, now I'm like really bummed that it's not going to have the bonus dungeon in it because what I want is the PSP version. It's very upsetting that Square Enix fucks around with their remasters and does such a bad job on all of these, except for Final Fantasy VII, which they like made this tremendous effort. I'm not asking for that. Just like release the PSP version and make it a little nicer looking and let me play it on a modern console. Like just, like, I don't care if you make it a Japanese exclusive, but put English language so I can dump into my Switch and play. Just like do something. But it's very hard for me to play Final Fantasy 1. You would think it wouldn't be. They're like, oh, well, you can go play this, you know, on the NES Classic. I don't want to play, the, like, I want to play what I feel like is the best version, the most current version. And I'm just not getting that. And, and just like, like the font is fucked up, and like yeah, they just, just need like one fan there who's like they they need a Christian Whitehead who's like, all right, guys, we're gonna remaster this, and it's not gonna be bullshit. It's gonna be pixel perfect. We're gonna include all the bonus content. We're going to include a legible font. Like it's not hard. They just aren't putting in the effort. They're well, uh, it's like they're doing could, what Konami is doing, uh, yeah, just fucking they, everything up because Konami sucks. You could. You could throw the skin over it, too. Like, you could be like, here's the modern skin, how we want you to play it, but here's the 8-bit pixel-perfect skin if you really need that or something. Like, just... Oh, 100%. So if they were making it for me, if I was over there, like, my number one thing would be, like, here's is perfectly up and, like, new font and everything, but we can toggle it so, like, all the items are four characters long, and we can remove all the bonus content for you if you want to just play the yeah. best version of the NES Final Fantasy 1 or have the widescreen super all the bonus content thing for the people who want to play like a real fucking video game. Yep. Yeah, it's it would be perfect. Yep. I don't know so, why they do I feel like if they made that, it, well, people God would buy it. it. They're, they're going to the buy it anyways because it's Final Fantasy, but they, they released it on Steam, uh, which like, why would you, they're going to release it on Steam and now I guess mobile, like just put it. Like the, the, when I they released these like compromised versions. RPG on a mobile phone. Stop it. When they release these compromised versions, it's still going to sell amazingly on the Switch whenever that inevitably happens. But if they made like this Final Fantasy perfect edition, because everything has to be an edition when you come to like Square Games, like that would sell gangbusters, right? Like the definitive fucking this is everything Chrono Trigger DS of, yeah. of Final sell Fantasy me, look, 1. Put, put, Just make put, it. Put the Switch one out, right? Sell each one individually and then do the super whammy box. Like... Do two different boxes, the yeah. NES era and then the Super Nintendo era. And like, watch me pay you all my money for it. Disagree. Do individual boxes for each game and then sell a slipcover that goes over all of them. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> fucking marketing geniuses. I, like, I will never not give them props for thinking that up. That was such a baller move. They they really fucking did it. And people thought I was being like facetious. But oh, like, no. really, I was totally a genius move. Like. Like, oh, because I was like, oh, man, I don't have the box. Like, when I was thinking about my Shantae games, it made me think about it. The minute that I felt that, I knew they had won. Yeah. Like, I knew they had won. Like, that was a capital It's like idea. you're a Good collector. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, man, you guys fucking nailed it on that one. That You gave me collecting regret that I didn't do this. You made me have to, like, look harder. And then, like, I didn't buy one for the Blaster Master one because I decided I was just going to be out on that whole process because I've already missed Shantae. <laughs> uh, but you got your, you got your latest T-shirt. What's the latest T-shirt you got from them? I did not. No, nope. it's the uh, I have no Samurai idea. Punk X Limited Run. I don't. It looks like some kind of DJ Electric. Sam oh, is it Samurai Funk? No, it's Samurai Punk. I don't know, Johnny. No, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Like, yeah, whatever they did, like you know, kudos to them. I 
can't remember if I bought my zombies, uh, zombies ate my neighbors and ghoul patrol. I will pick that up. Uh, just the switch version. I don't need Nintendo or Genesis carts of games. I already own. Thanks though. Um, yeah, I'm going to pick that up. I won't be picking up any shirts though. Anyways, that's what I bought. That's what I played. And I think that's about it for this episode where we're like, yeah, we can do a quick one by ourselves. Hey, I'm happy you were able to stick this out with me. Uh, I enjoyed yeah, I this episode, which probably means that no one else is going to like it. Because people usually like the episodes where I'm like, oh, is anyone going to enjoy this? So everyone's well, probably going like, to really wrap it up. Because my son's like super tight, like, like usually pops wake. If he doesn't wake up immediately at three, he definitely wakes up immediately at four. So All right. That, that's well, uh, you right can there. find our friend Stefan, the Art of Nintendo Power, at Art of NP on Twitter. And just look for Art and Nintendo Power. He's on YouTube. Um, and I guess he's on Instagram. I'm default gen, default G-E-N. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. There's a new stupid retro gen minor video, but it just goes over exactly what we talked about in this video. It's no, it's, it's, it's better. You should watch that video and then watch that video and then watch and listen to this. It's it's perfect. Sure. Johnny, where are you from? Uh, I'm from California. I'm a 42 year old man. I like hiking and walks on the beach. That's, that's a joke. I don't like to be outside. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and on our discord. So you can find me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Iuchi. That's when I'm posting there, which, but it's been about a month. Sorry, people who, who are into that sort of thing, but whatever. If you really want to find me, you can come over to our discord by becoming a patron and you can do that for as little as two dollars but no more than six and uh, you can talk to great people and i'm not including myself in that there's a lot of better people than me on our, on our discord including tyler and uh you know a lot of knowledgeable collectors who are having a good time having fun talks so you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash collectors quest that's it for the show thanks so much for listening bye that is our show minor corrections so there's the zelda tm variant box and that comes with two manual variants and then it looks like there's an r no rev a box that came with a five screw card that has the same screenshots as the tm box and then there's the three screw r no rev a box that has different screenshots so there's still the r no rev a in the three screw and the five screw variant it looks like they have different box variants and maybe there was some overlap there basically Zelda variants are crazy. There's at least two sealed variants before this variant and at least three complete box variants before this variant. Also, a 9.8 second print Turtles uh, costs more than a 2.0 first print. I swear that wasn't always the case. Uh, first prints are astronomically more expensive than second prints still, but my exact statistic I gave was technically wrong. Thank you to 8-Bit Music for making our intro music, and thank you to the patrons, Richard, patron number one, Bowden, Canadian Variant Alert, Chris Glidden, The Willennium, Will Joe, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jaxvik, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre, What a 9.8A++, Benji, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, Sophisticated Investor, Cartmageddon, Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris, SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Morozek, Johnny's GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for the Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hangtab, Dustin Beagle, Man of Nintendo in the World of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy, Ferris, Lance, Lord Hardstyle Z, 
The Degenerate, Matt Fall, Funko Land employee, Platform Agnostic, Red Redemption. The Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast, Sean, The Gamer Collective, Previously Unknown Variant, Tim Walker, Can't Put Limits on Collecting, VG Collectaholic, Keeper of the Zelda Variant, Zero X Def Code, who obviously is the one who told me about the Zelda Variant. Oh wait, no he didn't, Dan Riga did, but then he confirmed it with me. Shout out to everyone who knows more about Zelda than me. Getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't. All caps! The official seal of quality, Andy Jill Selector. The actually rare Bird Dog Gaming. Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode. The strictly limited super rare Bruno. Still finding deals in 2021. Colton Murphy. David Green, he's got that on vinyl. Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show. Don Libby, the hero of time. Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk. Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection. Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, video game art collector because games are art, Justin Chichio. Lateral Movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael, post in the Discord right now, Chiara Monty. Nick, the video game database Morgan. The other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games. The Promoter, Retro RPG Podcast. Tex, who collects for Jaguar. Tom, Obscure Variant, Chaser Chase. Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games. Andrew, actually collecting Engage O. B Nugs! B Nugs! Did I not come up with a. Colby, why don't you have a nickname here? Oh, I didn't come up with a thing for you, Nicolby. Oh, man. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The Xbox Authority, Danny Gomez. The Philatelist, Dork Overlord. My Childhood PlayStation Idol, Game-Rave.com. Joe actually plays his games champ pity. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon. Homebrew Mastermind, Nick Ryan. Sam, Sega Mark III Marks. And Sean, the video game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much.